to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 3675. So sit back, relax, and remember Southern Sense is common sense. Listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or half a dozen other places. I even forget, even on Substack. Just check out the name of the show. Put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess, the least mostest, the Radio Chickadee, along with my guest host, the one, the only, the vivacious Lucretia Hughes. Good afternoon, Lucretia. How are you today? Lucretia, unmute yourself. <laughs> okay. It looks like Lucretia's got herself muted. Uh, so we'll hopefully she'll get herself back on the air here, but she will be hosting with us as soon as we get her together. I was just talking to her a few moments ago. Okay. Anyway, we got ourselves a jam-up show uh, here, and we're going to have Leah Hoops, who has a new book out, called The Parallel Election, actually came out last year. Uh, it's about the election integrity, and it's based on facts out of Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we also have our friend Frank Gaffney. He's got a new book out called The Indictment, uh, prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and friends for crimes against America, China, and the world. And then we also have Mark Tapscott from the Epic Times and Hill Faith joining us again. And E.J. Antoni of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, so we have ourselves a jam-up show here. Uh, so I'm just sending Lucretia a little note saying to unmute. We're ready to go. So hopefully she'll be with us shortly. want to welcome those that are in our chat room as on here on Blog Talk Radio. And we're open also. 
up on uh, Facebook and YouTube. The chat rooms are also open there. Lucretia, are you with us now? I hear background. Uh, okay, I know she's out there somewhere. Let's try this again, see if the computer is messing up, which it sometimes does. So we just mute her, unmute her again, see if she's back with us. And she's having a little bit of a hard time. She's not muted. So, Lucretia, you may have to call back in. It looks like your phone line has been blocked. So if you can, just give a call. And she's saying she doesn't hear anything. I hope that's not true because I've got my board showing sound. All right, let's try something here. ask the chat room if you can hear me. Otherwise, we have to go to plan B, which is what we had to do last week also. Anyway, um, hopefully we'll have our... Hello there. Hello? Lucretia? I can hear you. Uh, oh, okay. All right. So we got sound. <laughs> All right. Uh, I really do have to get off this platform. I really do. And you and I are going to have to talk about how you do it and how you get all your people to listen in. Holy, holy moly. But anyway, I was telling our listeners our lineup, Leah Hoops. Uh, she's a mom, a business owner, and a political activist. And she's co-author of Parallel Election, a Blueprint for Deception evidence of a massive election fraud in Delaware County, Pennsylvania in the 2020 November elections. And then we have uh, Frank Gaffney. We haven't had him on a while. That's my bad. He's the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy and is the author of a book called The Indictment, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. Ooh, and what's coming out with Joe and Hunter Biden. Oh, boy, 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 boy. We're going to have some fun there. And then Mark Tapscott, who's the D.C. correspondent. How come I can never spell the word correspondent in the description? Always mess that up. That's my bad, folks. Uh, For the Epic Times, and he's also the founder of Hill Faith. Not Faith Hill, Hill Faith. <laughs> I always get dyslexic on that. Uh, and then E.J. Antoni, who's the research fellow at the Heritage Foundation for the Grover M. Herman Center for Federal Budget. And, oh, boy, talk about the Congress and the budget they got out there. We got mm-hmm. a lot to go on. When You ready? Yes, I am ready. <laughs> right. All right. And in the chat room, they said our audio on both sides are good. So we're rocking and rolling. Okay. All right. Those Lucretia know that listen to the show all the time, we start off with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to a Kentucky deputy out of Caleb, I'm uh, sorry, out of uh, Northern Kentucky, Butler County. It's going to go out to Caleb Connolly. He's from Scott County, Kentucky. His end of watch was May 22nd of this year. And this is coming from the Courier Journal. And it reads, officials in northern Kentucky and Butler County said the man accused of killing a deputy during a traffic stop near Georgetown, Kentucky, is connected to crimes in their communities. 
Scott County Deputy Caleb Connolly was shot and killed around 5 p.m. on May 22nd during a traffic stop on Interstate 75 near Georgetown. Stephen Cheyenne Shang, the accused shooter, was arrested and faces several charges in both Fayette and Scott counties, including the murder of a police officer, according to Major Matt Lamond, the spokesperson for the Lexington Division of Community Corrections. Westchester Township Trustees Meeting Trustee Lee Wong said the deputy pulled over Xian Shang because Westchester police were trying to track him down in connection with a series of car and garage robberies in the Beckett Ridge area. Police Chief Joel Herzog told trustees the department tracked the suspect using the township's flock camera license plate readers in their investigation. He said he was also connected to incidents in western Hamilton County. The officer died in the line of duty for some property items that weren't secure, Wong said. He paid the ultimate price for us protecting our residents. A public visitation for Conley was held at the Scott County High School Gymnasium on Cardinal Drive in Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is from officer.com by Christopher Lee. I'm sorry, yes, Christopher Leach. It was in the Lexington Herald uh, Leader. With hundreds of people in attendance, friends and family of Scott County Sheriff Deputy Caleb Conley praised his personality and strong worth ethic and his funeral. The funeral took place at the Scott County High School with friends, family, and law enforcement officials showing up to support Conley's family. Several people who were close with Conley spoke at his funeral, including his wife, mother, and supervisor. He was an extraordinary man, known for his commitment and dependability, said Captain Jeremy Nett of the Scott County Sheriff's Office. He consistently went above and beyond in his service while demonstrating an unwavering sense of integrity and loyalty, both as a family man and as a member of the Law Enforcement Brotherhood. Conley was shot on I-75 near the 127-mile marker while conducting a traffic stop on May 22nd. A suspect in several other offenses is accused of killing Conley, according to arrest records. Conley was rushed to the University of Kentucky Chandler Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. Conley had served with the Scott County Sheriff's Office for four years, and served with the U.S. Army for eight. He left behind a wife, small children, and his parents, Hampton said. Conley's wife, Rachel, thanked those who responded to her husband's shooting and attempted to save his life. There are no words to express my gratitude for your tremendous heroism and response time, Rachel said. I would also like to give a special thank you to the innocent bystanders that stopped to help Caleb and call 911 as well. All of you will forever hold a special place in my heart. Rachel Conley described her husband as a wonderful father and family man who would do anything for his family. He loved his children so much. He would do anything just to see them smile, she said. He would get so down on himself any time he had to miss any of their events or games because he felt like he was disappointing him. 
and he didn't like them, and he didn't want to let them down. Sergeant Robert Tackett, who was Caleb Conley's supervisor, described some of the struggles he had been dealing with since Caleb Conley's death. Tackett said he had asked Conley to work overtime shifts frequently. He apologized to the family for taking time away from them. Then I argued with myself that there's no telling how many lives were saved in this state by Caleb Connolly patrolling the streets, Tackett said. It's just one of the struggles I've been dealing with during these sleepless nights while questioning and trying to make sense of this all. Jolene Connolly, Caleb Connolly's mother, said her son dreamed of being in law enforcement ever since he was a kid. He was living his dream, Jolene said. Now those dreams are coming to an end. We could not have asked for a better son. He would help fulfill some of our dreams. Rest easy, my dear sweet Caleb. Your dreams will be carried on to others who love you forever. Shin Shang was arrested not long after a separate shooting in Lexington that occurred the same day as Caleb's death. He faces charges of murder of a police officer wanted endangerment, evading police, first-degree assault, first-degree robbery, three counts of burglary, two counts of possessing a handgun as a convicted felon, and evidence tampering. The jail records show. Xin Shang was arraigned in a Scott County courtroom. During the hearing, Judge Sarah Hayes Spedding denied him bond and entered a not plea, not guilty plea for him. And finally, by Julia Sandor, Lucy Bryson, and Amber Philippot on WKYT.com. This Thursday marked an emotional day for many in Kentucky as Deputy Caleb Conley was laid to rest. Deputy Conley was shot and killed during a traffic stop. His funeral was held at the Scott County High School. Hundreds came to honor Deputy Connolly at his funeral service. Family, friends, classmates, colleagues, and even those who never knew him shared in the grief of an officer's life being cut short. Those who worked with Deputy Connolly day in and day out knew they worked with someone who loved his job serving the public and loving his family. Men like Caleb lived each and every day to the fullest. That was a light that should give us all hope, said Brian Ray, Scott County Sheriff's Office Chaplain. Two of the most per- important women in his life, his wife and mother, spoke of their grief and memories of Caleb. Caleb's mother, Jolene, said since the age of three, he would desire to become a police officer like his father and uncle. He wanted to be just like them, she said. After the funeral, a massive funeral procession of around 500 vehicles escorted Conley from Georgetown to his hometown of Cynthiana. People lined the route to pay their respects as the procession made its way to Conley's final resting place at Battle Grove Cemetery. The services were all set up by supporting heroes, and they say Deputy Conley was a hero long before this tragedy. He was a hero not because of what happened that Monday night, not because of how he died, 
because of how he lived, said Eric Johnson with Supporting Heroes. And day after day, he went into harm's way trying to protect the citizens of Scott County. He knew the risks, but every day he continued to serve and answers the calls for help. Conley served in the Scott County Sheriff's Office for four years and before that with the Army for eight. People described Deputy Conley as a dedicated worker who always went above and beyond. Well, today's show is dedicated to Deputy Conley. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders. Be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to the brave men and women that serve in our military. From the birth of this nation through today and into our hopeful future. We dedicate this song to them, the soul of the nation, by our friend Tiffany. May God bless each and every one.
Places just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle of southern hyphen sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most, just or I should say the least most, just the radio chickadee. And I have a guest co host, the one, the only, the host of Real News with Lucretia Hughes, the Lucretia Hughes. Good afternoon and back again, Lucretia. Good afternoon, everybody. Hoping this is a great Friday so far. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> we have a lot to talk about, a lot going on, and there have been in the last two days four Supreme Court rulings. Three went in our favor, one went against us. Um, I know I pulled them up, and I have them probably to talk with Mark uh, Tapscott with later on, but we can start to talk about some of them. And we had a same-sex uh, ruling for conservatives. Uh, there was a, a woman that had a website uh, building things for weddings, and she said, well, for me to work with same-sex couples goes against my Christian beliefs. And the Supreme Court ruled in her favor. Now, why couldn't they do that with the uh, cake uh, decorator? I really don't have a clue why they didn't do it with the cake decorator. But you know what? It is it's still a win for religious rights, the First Amendment. So to have the 6-3 ruling on that was uh, actually shocking. I would figure at this point in history and society that they're shoving it down our throats so bad that the Constitution was completely out of the window. But I keep telling everybody the difference between them completely taking us over and where we are today is the Constitution of the United States. So that's why I am a strong proponent for our rights, our, you know, milling out constitutions, because a lot of people don't have a clue what we talk about when we talk about the Constitution. No, they don't. They don't. <clears throat> and most people can't even state what the enumerated powers that the Constitution gives us in the First Amendment. 
and they, they think it's speech and religion, but there's a lot more that are in there also. Uh, but Lucretia, we do have our guest, Leah Hope. Uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce her last name, so I'm going to get beat up by her. Leah Hope, is it? Hello? Yeah, hey. Leah, we, we have you with us. Hey, I, I know I mispronounced your last name. Hoops, Leah Hoops. Hoops, okay. I was saying hopes, but we all have hopes. <laughs> yes, we do. We have we have many of them. <laughs> all right, my guest co-host with me, uh, Lucretia Hughes, and she has her own podcast called Real News with Lucretia Hughes. So, Lucretia, say hi. Hey, how you doing, Miss uh, Hoops? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate you have it, a great like she said, there's a lot going on, and I would really love to get your perspective off of it. Sure. Hot. Yeah. We were talking about the Supreme Court rulings that just came out. There were four rulings in the last uh, two days. Three went in our favor, one against. And matter of fact, the one that went against us had to do with the state legislators dictating how to hold their elections statewide. They said, no, they put the power in the courts. Isn't that crazy? Um, it is actually pretty, pretty, and, and a little concerning, to be honest. Um, you know, w- with everything that had gone on, obviously, in the 2020 election, uh, this is a real power struggle, uh, specifically between the federal government and uh, the state government. Um, when it came to, you know, uh, the slate of electors, uh, when it came to certifying the election, um, it really is concerning because it, now it's putting it into a completely different different branch of government, um, which, it, it, you know, like I said, it, it really changes things for the upcoming uh, election in 2024. Yeah, because it also deals with gerrymandering. Um, for those who don't know, that's when the state legislatures draw up the new congressional districts. And some are accused of saying that, well, we're going to put all of one type of voter in one district instead of going, well, we have to share the votes equally. It's really strange how they, they kind of do that. Matter of fact, here in South Carolina, we have a huge fight going on on how the lines are drawn in the first district, the district I live in. And this is going back and forth with the courts because uh, we're saying, well, you need like-minded people because we're in a coastal area and they want to split us where they go into a completely different district that has completely different concerns legislatively than we have. And so they try to do this to skew the vote. Um, Leah, you have any comments? Did I lose my guess? Paying attention to the bossing. Can you hear me okay? Go ahead, Leah. Yeah, we got you now. Okay. Um, What you really need to be concerned with is the bussing of the illegals uh, into certain areas. And what's happening is uh, no matter what state you're in, your voter rolls are a hot mess. Um, And the systems that are being used are completely riddled with um, the the ability to manipulate them. Uh, whether it's at a state level or county level. Um, but, you know, if you're paying attention to Judicial Watch, who just sued uh, Pennsylvania uh, to have, I think it was over 188,000 names removed from our voter rolls, which is not even a tenth of uh, how, how many registered voters we have um, and many more that need to be removed. Uh, and, and the biggest 
issue is that besides the illegals um, and the fact that they can use, um, you know, people's names and they can vote uh, via mail-in ballot by using somebody else's name uh, and someone wouldn't even know it, which we have proof of here in Delaware County, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, this is the bigger issue, especially when you're, when you're seeing these redistricting, uh, because you're not going to be able to keep up with the, with the registration. It's going to create yet another issue, um, you know, in that sense when you're talking about gerrymandering. Yeah, because the, the census is what the congressional, congressional districts are drawn upon. How many people are within mm-hmm. a certain district? And that's all con- in the Constitution. It has so many people per district, which means so many votes, you know, will be coming out uh, by the statewide. How many districts you have that makes, affects how many electoral college, uh, uh, you, electoral college members you have. And now if you count an illegal alien as a resident of a district, that determines how the district lines are drawn. And you mentioned busing them into districts that are are red districts. They are actually flooding our districts to skew the vote. Instead of going conservative Republican, they would go purple or completely liberal. And this is going to affect a great number of things coming up. Correct. This is the whole reason uh, for an open border uh, is to, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are paying attention for the last 20 years or so, but our birth rates are low in the United States. This is what happened in Europe, um, actually all over the world. But when your birth rates are below two uh, per household, what they do is they start an influx of immigration, illegal immigration, and that's why you see places like France and Germany and Italy completely, um, you know, torn apart with uncivilized uh, people coming in that, that have, there's no checks and balance. Uh, they're being, you know, flooded in. That's exactly what we're seeing in the United States of America is complete lawlessness and uncivilized people. And like President Trump said, these, these are not the, the best of the best, and they're not going through legal ports, and they're not, using the, you know, uh, the proper channels to come into our country. And um, this is what happens. So they encourage people not to have babies. Our birth rates go low. And then there's an influx of immigration. Actually, Mark Stein wrote a a great book called um, America Alone, and it discusses birth rates and um, and illegal immigration um, and how it turns a society completely upside down. Oh, that that is an understatement because now you have motor voter. People go in, get their driver's license or a state uh, identification, they automatically get registered to vote. You know, I took my fiancé into motor vehicles to have him update his uh, driver's license, and they didn't even ask if he was an American citizen. You know, he is a naturalized citizen, so obviously, you know, with an accent, you could say, well, are you a naturalized citizen? Are you a citizen? Never asked him that. Just automatically handed him the voter registration to sign. Yet, when I went to the window to get, update my driver's license, they asked me. <laughs> and I'm, of I'm course. American looking at apple pie. I'm going, wait a minute. And, and this is in a red state. Now you have states such as New York, around the New York City area, that say, well, you can vote in a local election, but we're going to say you can't vote in the federal. Well, when they walk into that voter booth, how do you stop them from voting in a presidential election and say you can only vote in your local county election? 
You can't. There's no way to police that. Well, just like just like you can't police mail in ballots, which in, in which 28 states completely changed their election laws. And that was in preparation. That was six months after President Trump uh, got into office. And I can it's actually in our book, The Parallel Election, where we talk about uh, the late the legislative changes uh, to, uh, <clears throat> to election law and uh, how they you know, had Soros back. Um, um, you know, people coming in to, you know, into these committees and talking about all mail-in ballots and completely changing and amending our Constitution without uh, without a referendum, uh, which violates our constitutional rights as as, Pence, as the people of the Commonwealth. But uh, all of these states brought in the mail-in ballots, and and um, there's actually a, a research paper on how fraudulent the mail-in ballot system and unless you're a complete moron how do you not understand that there's complete fraud in the mail-in balloting system uh you know it, it's uh there's 20 excuse me there's 28 uh countries in the european and U- european union and 68 percent of them uh have completely gotten rid of mail-in balloting um because of uh, it's riddled with fraud uh, so they say that, you know, people like myself, election deniers and all this, you know, and, and we're crazy to think that, you know, there's fraud in the mail-in balloting system. Well, I guess the rest of the world is crazy along with us because there's plenty of countries across the world that do not have the system. Well, I, your book, Parallel, Parallel Election, my teeth are in backwards today, a blueprint for deception, evidence of massive election fraud in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, is, is really a huge eye-opener. And you wrote that with Gregory Stenstrom. Now, how did you and Gregory get together? Did you know each other beforehand, or is it because of what happened and what he witnessed uh, caused you to go forward with this book? Actually, it was through divine intervention. Uh, we both have very strong uh, faith in God. Uh, we had a mutual friend, and I was—I recruited Greg. Uh, I was a committee woman, and I was looking for someone specifically uh, with a background in fraud. Um, Greg's resume is <laughs> pretty spectacular, but he—he um, he has put, uh, you know, sheriffs in jail. He's put uh, congresspeople in, in jail. Um, he has done work for the government uh, specifically for fraud. He's recovered you know, uh, half a billion dollars for the city of Philadelphia. Uh, he encrypted the Federal Reserve. He encrypted naval space warfare. Um, you know, he was a lieutenant commander in the Navy. Uh, I mean, this man's uh, resume is impeccable. And uh, when when we got connected, we you know, we worked very, very well together. And uh, along with eight other people, just blue-collar people that really saw the changes in our county, and we started investigating and then uh, we put together a sting operation, found a whistleblower inside Delaware County's um, election uh, bureau, and uh, we worked along with Project Veritas, and and we and she got mic'd up and cameraed up, and we caught them, caught them talking about how they couldn't reconcile the 2020 election, how they made up return sheets, and then they started to destroy the evidence, which is called spo- spoilation. You know how good old Hillary was uh, smashing phones and 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 deleted, you know, and got rid of ser- uh, servers. That's called spoilation of of evidence. And we're, we just actually saw that with J.P. Morgan that deleted, uh, I think it was 47 million records. That is called spoilation. Uh, and and in, civil, uh, in civil court, which is what, where we are right now uh, with this, we, are, uh, we have evidence that they spoiliated the evidence that would exonerate them, and that gives a directed verdict of, of guilty. 
Wow. Now, you were sued, right? Now, when you guys got together, you and Greg, uh, you took a lot of arm twisting to get him to, to finally come on board with you. Uh, and you are a very determined woman, I have to say, reading the book and reading the way you got people to finally bend to your will. God bless you for that. Um, but they went after you, and he warned you that they're going to come after you personally. They're going to try to destroy your family, your business, your entire life, destroy you financially. And what are some of the things they did to try to stop you in your tracks? Uh, so at the time, uh, the attorney general was Josh Shapiro. He sent agents to our front door uh, in order to intimidate us and actually try to investigate us for, you know, whatever said crime. Uh, the FBI was at my front door uh, under false allegations. Um, uh, we've been smeared in every possible left-wing Marxist, uh, you know, rag of, of, a, of coverage, uh, Politico, MSNBC, Yahoo. Um, you know, we've been covered everywhere. Uh, you know, they've gone after, they went after Greg's business, uh, you know, his website, his LinkedIn. Um, you know, we've spent countless hours uh, of our own uh, time uh, away from our families. Um, you know, they, they have done everything possible. And most recently uh, with the defamation case against us in Philadelphia, in which we're co-defendants with President Trump and Mayor Giuliani, uh, they went after Greg and I specifically, uh, the uh, radical attorney that represents Jane Savage, which is one of the defendants uh, in one in our case, because he was the voting machine warehouse supervisor in Delaware County. Um, they tried through a civil court to uh, to uh, take our confiscate our firearms, sanction us for fifteen thousand dollars, and to silence us uh, and and go after our rights. Uh, that was June 20th of 2023, and Greg and I uh, represented ourselves, and we absolutely, uh, I mean, we destroyed that, that attorney, and uh, we won that hearing. Yeah, because they were going after Giuliani. I was catching this on the news uh, just, with, with, what date did I download this? The 28th, well, two days ago, uh, about him sitting before the uh, January 6th investigation, and somewhere along in the news report, and I think it might have been on the communist rag, uh, MSNBC, they were tying it in to the election fraud because of what he said on January 6th about election fraud. Uh, but yet you have tons of evidence uh, mm -hmm. proving that it actually was. And Greg actually went and wrote down how many boxes he observed, what he observed. And as you said, he's a... That's his job, to unearth fraud. But he's also a decorated military veteran, too. So he's had all the background and training in security, which he brought into his, his, his firm. And he could smell a rat. And there was one hell of a huge rat in that counting room. Oh, there were there – were, um, the, the sad part of it is, is that uh, there are many, many good people uh, it, that work the elections, people that – you know, want want to do their civic duty, and um, and, and those people were, you know, we're not pointing the finger out. These are a handful of people within these targeted counties uh, that are a part of this, and were put into those positions for this very reason to to commit uh, the, the stealing of a of a of a what was it, eleven trillion dollar economy, um, and um, you know, and and bring in this communist one world uh, uh, agenda. 
and uh, we're, we're not we're not targeting or we're, we're not looking to to uh, to go after uh, these people that have no idea what even fraud looks like. Um, and it's it's a sad it's a sad thing because at the end of the day, a lot of the times, what they'll end up doing is in order to, uh, you know, the people that actually committed the fraud, what they'll end up doing is they'll throw these these people under the bus, um, and and it's it's unfortunate, um, you know. So we're, we're here to uh, protect the vote, uh, and and quite honestly, we go after both sides of the aisle. Um, we have a uniparty here in Pennsylvania, and there's many many states that have a uniparty. Actually, I'm not even I'm not even sure if there's any states that don't have a uniparty, uh, to be quite honest. But um, at the end of the day, uh, they have removed uh, our constitutional uh, authority to oversee and to criticize and challenge our government, um, and that's the whole point. They they want to they want to 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 centralize everything and 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 the whole point of the constitution is to decentralize and um you know the, the if you look at the articles of of our you know first three articles it talks about the the uh, the three branches of government and any powers that they do not have they go to the people um we've forgotten yeah. and have become very very apathetic to the fact that this is a republic and i'm sick and tired of people calling it a democracy which we are not thank you we are a con- <laughs> thank you. we are a constitutional republic and i'm and i correct people I've, I've done it on interviews the minute someone says democracy i'm like nope absolutely not we are not a democracy <clears throat> Well, Lucretia, I want to bring you into the conversation because she lives in the South as I do. Having You can tell I've got a New York dialect on me, so I know about uniparties. But you also cover this extensively in the book where you break down the history of how you trace it back where at one point it was a Democrat-controlled or Republican-controlled. It's now you can't tell the difference between whether or not the person running – the local mob, I'm going to call it that exactly what it is. It's basically your local mafia politically um, controlling everything. So whoever is part of the uniparty uh, and they do a favor, they get themselves a nice cushy job. Now, they can be your local state senator or congressman or the, 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 the congressman representing the state. Uh, it could be the local judge which you found it was also in the pocket. And once they do that little favor, they get slipped into one of these nice little cushy jobs with an associate, such as the local jail system, which is privately run in your your, your mm-hmm. situation. It is such a, a complicated, but yet once you started unraveling the threads, you showed exactly how this works. And here in the South, we had that, you know, at one point it was all Democrat, but when they saw Republicans were the only ones getting elected, they switched parties. They were still Democrats, but they ran as a Republican. And what they couldn't get through that, they did through intimidation. And Lucretia, you know very well, because you you live in Georgia. You see it all the time. Yeah, I do see it, but uh, I'm not stopping. Do I these people personally? Absolutely. Do I trust them? No, ma'am. I could care less what wing you are on this bird. I tell people there's a thing called vetting. You can't vet these people, and if you don't know about them, start digging a little bit into their past. So for people to have that that, that I don't care attitude, no, this is where we have gotten now. I live in Georgia, so um, I see it. 
44 of us took on, we petitioned a federal grand jury down here in Georgia. My husband was number, I was number one. My husband was number two about the 2020 fraud. Um, I ran for state rep. I, I see it. I talk about it, and I'm going to keep talking about it. So it's not like they're hiding. Everything they're doing is in plain sight. 100%. Yeah. So it's no such thing as a unit party. A unit party for me blurs the line between the platform of the Republican brand and that's less taxes, less government, more self-responsibility. And if you cannot abide by your own platform and your oath that you're willing to take for this constitutional republic, it is my duty as being a mother, a wife, and a grandmother to rip you a new one and, and, and not be PC <laughs> about it. So I'm not politically correct. This is my grandchildren's <laughs> lives that blind, and they don't need to be mm-hmm. blinded by everything else that's going on. Boy, I have 100% I agreement. agreement. Ladies here together. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's uh this is this is how we roll up in here uh, up in uh in Delaware County as well. Um I, I, I started very, very early on in early twenty twenty and knew and knew what they were doing uh in order to shut down this country. Um, you know, with the biochemical warfare known as uh SARS two, uh otherwise known as COVID nineteen. Um and everything that they I call it the scam damage. It was the biggest fraudulent thing on this planet when they told us in yep. two thousand nineteen they wanted to cold the earth backed up by 11,000 scientists, backed up by fructose corn syrup. I mean, Dr. Fauci, fake sugar, and Bill and Melinda Gates. So out there, it's been yep. out there, and I just hope one day people stop wearing masks because I ain't, I ain't wearing no mask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Who fell for that? Nope. Well, that was, that, that was right. That was to cover not only our, our faces but also our voice um and 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 make us fall in love with our servitude to the government if you ever read the the, the book a brave new world um I, I tell people all the time that you know you have fallen in love with your servitude uh and i i you know there, there's only one that i serve and, and that's god and uh and i put on the armor of god every day as does greg and and there are many people that have come forward and are in they're standing in the gap right now uh, and then they're running for office and they're fighting in the courts and they will go to county council meetings, school board meetings, and they are, you know, they are in the faces of these people and calling them wicked and evil and exposing them, which is where we need to be uh, in this country. You know, I, I never understood how people can sit back as your children, especially your children, who are being indoctrinated in these government schools and, uh, and and you're sitting back going, oh, you know, I don't want to do this because, God forbid, they'll come after, and you know, and cancel me. I'm like, you're talking about your child. Like, I, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for, for my kids. Miss Nomer, let's go ahead and rep the men and women, the true leaders, the mothers. The No, that's what they want you to see, but it's... Out here, you go going to rallies, you're talking to people, you know, generalized, they're fired up. It's like the mama bears, papa bears are marching two by two, all shades, colors, even gay folks. And let's just go ahead because I ain't going to call them the alphabet, A, B, Q, B, C, to the third power. Forget that. That is ridiculous to me. But even they are coming out, they're saying, whoa, 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 you really want these people to hate us. All of us don't act like this. Majority of us don't accept this. We ain't mapped. We're not targeting children. And you know what? They they can actually say, uh, immorality, it popped his head up. 
but we're really doing a whack of trolls out here. And if not, a lot of people are going to get hurt when you start targeting other people's children. It's an First, take our looks at that baby. We make a promise that a lot of us make a promise to death do us part, and that mama bear, father bear instinct will make us protect other people's children. That's true. That's yeah, how that's... I was. That's how it was. That's how it yeah. was in this country. Well, it, it, your neighbor, your neighbors, my neighbors at least, when we were running around as kids, oh God forbid you did something wrong. You, you were, first of all, you're going to get scolded by the neighbor, and then they were going to tell your your parents. So yeah. the communities used to look out for one another, right? It takes a village. And now people are, you know, got their head buried in the sand. But I do agree with you that, I mean, I tell people shut off the television and go talk to everyone you possibly can because every person I come into contact with, I don't care where you're from, they are not in agreement and they are disgusted at what is happening in this country. So when people like, if you watch TV, I haven't watched that googly gob since 2016, and thank God for that. So we could take it there. People's like, I didn't know that. What you're distracted by? Well, I'm looking at a summer ring, but you're forgetting about Biden just saying that your kids belong to him. We know he loves uh, scratch and snip. Then we're going to go over here. It is so much <laughs> that people, but it's up to us. God gave us one command. He gave us one voice. He gave us one spirit, one soul, and that is to witness. And they can take everything they mm-hmm. want from us, but they can never take our voice. They can never. They can kill us. They can never take our soul. And when we as individuals realize if one grain of dirt has had my eye swollen, me wearing a patch for two days straight taking antibiotics, if one grain of sand can do that and we are con- a grain of sand in Abraham's eyes or as his offspring, what could happen when the wind blows and pick up a whole bunch of grain of sand and throw it in your direction? Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're getting there. We're getting there. Well, there there is a pushback uh, because just yesterday came out a statement from Mobile, Alabama of pastors about Pride Month. And they cited the Bible, and they also said it's time to hold this month for what? Not pride for the LBGT community, but pride as a patriot of the nation. And they're saying that we've got to take this back. Me. I was born June the 19th. Can I have pride in my own month? Or what even President Donald Trump? He was born June the 10th. I was married on the 20th, my grandson, 12 years old. Said happy Pride Month, Grandma, and I'm cooking breakfast. So me, not mm, well, okay, Grandma. I was, oh, he tried that with me. I had to break it down. Uh-huh. Sit all five grandkids down and said, "Let me tell you what the rainbow truly means. It's a covenant between God and man that it will not and be man. water that's going to be destroying this earth from Sodom and Gomorrah and unethical ways, but it's literally going to be fire the next time." They was. I said, "You understand?" And I said, "Tell your teachers to come and talk to me if they got a problem." Absolutely. And what is the, the sin that goes before the fall? It's pride. So you can use the term pride to represent this group of people, uh, but there is no pride in that sin. And they're just trying to make something up. So we've got the rainbow that is God's symbol, and we've got the pride of their sin, and there's going to be nothing but failure in that high that issue. And I am also born in the month of June, June 3rd, and my sister is June 17th. And we have the last day of the month of May that is the day for 
Memorial Day to remember the men and women that served this nation and that are no longer with us, that gave their last all for us? And why don't we have pride that whole month to remember those men and women? And every day, point out one hero and teach our kids every single day one of those heroes. Not one of those people dancing around naked in front of little children. I'm, I'm sorry, that's illegal. And yet not one person's being arrested. I'm sorry, grown men riding around completely naked on a bicycle or twerking in front of these little five and six-year-olds. I'm sorry. That would land your butt in jail, but no one's doing anything about it. But these pastors wrote this letter saying, no, pride it should be in our country, not in this minority of our society. If a stranger or if anyone feels all right with a stranger shaking their behinds, butt naked in front of a child, you're on the side of evil, and I'm not going to pretend with you that you're not. Exactly. It's interesting. All of us, all of us are actually born in June. Uh, I, I share a birthday with President Trump. With President Trump, June 14th, Flag Day, Army's birthday. Um, so I, I take great offense uh, to the simple fact of you know that that the whole month is dedicated uh, to 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 any group. Uh, first of all, that steals the rainbow, uh, but but secondly, um, the complete Marxism that is attached to the LGBTQI whatever whatever it is. Um, I, I forget the letters, but um, the the interesting part is when talking about not only Pride Month, but you can also talk about the Marxism that is uh, has infiltrated every institution, which is the whole point, and it's taken about 50 years to do so. But our churches specifically, and if you go all the way back to our history and you learn about the Black Robe Regiment, which were pastors oh, yeah. who, who, wore, who wore the black robes and then took arms during our revolution, uh, these, were, these were strong, strong men of faith. Uh, who not only protected the word of God and preached it, but they also went out there and fought for our country. And what happened was uh, the Marxism that has infiltrated uh, our churches is all on purpose. Um, and, and that's how you take down a country. You go after their youth. You go after the, the economy. You go after the schools. You go after the banking. You go after the churches. And that's what, that's what we're seeing. I mean, this, is, this has been planned exactly. for a very, very long time. Well, I got to tell you, Leigh, that every show I start is with a dedication to a fallen hero. And believe it or not, I did one of my early dedications to that very pastor who died on the field of battle. He could have gone in as a general. He went in as a corporal. And as an enlisted soldier, he died on the field of battle. And there's a famous painting depicting his death as the British goes to take his bayonet and spear him again. Yes. So... See, I didn't even know we that. Sure. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that is amazing. Uh, but you're you're so right. We need to take pride in this nation and what our values are, the Judeo-Christian values we were founded upon. And we're seeing the people start to take back and they're saying, no, this, something's wrong here. And I'm seeing more and more people taking off the masks, refusing to wear them, and we've got to get our voices out. All politics start locally, and you know that, Leigh. You know that better than anyone else. And I keep on telling everyone, from dog catcher all the way on up, get involved and get your voice out. Canon Council sees me coming, and they go, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, 
Yeah, and, and there's actually a video of me up on my um, tea. I still run a tea party. My tea party webpage of my confronting the county council specifically about the masks, and we cut down that mask mandate and. I don't know if I'm the one who did it, but there was a lot of speakers. But by the time I hit the door to leave county council, there was a crowd out there. And I'm going, oh, shit. And they're all cheering me on. She's a hero. She's our hero. <laughs> what the heck did I just say? What did I do? But Sometimes you, you, it's just, yep. Yep. I, I, this, is, uh, this, is, this is what I did. I grabbed about 50 parents back in uh, 2021, actually, when the kids were being introduced back into school. Uh, in, in Delaware County, and um, I fought hard, very, we fought hard, and we entered the school board meeting, uh, you know, without masks, and uh, the, the very privileged school board, uh, <laughs> they ended up calling the state police and uh, trying to intimidate us, but we didn't leave, um, and right after that, I, I, I'm sure you remember, the National School Board Association wrote that letter to the Biden administration demanding that they use the Patriot Act to call parents um, Domestic terrorists. I and actually the article about that school board meeting that that I led was uh, number thirteen as an example in that um, in that letter to the Biden administration demanding that we be called domestic terrorists. Uh, it was oh wow so outrageous. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've, I've been in, I've been in uh, I've been in the the eyes of 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 many for for quite a while a target if you will. Uh, because of my voice and my activism, and um, it, uh, it it backfired. It backfired big time. They they ended up losing millions of dollars in fees, and uh, they lost 20 states from their um, uh, from from the National School Board Association. So it, it backfired, and that's that's because that of does. good good people. Yeah. Well, we're down to our last minute here, Lee, and I'm, I'm sorry we don't have more time with you. You have to definitely come back on to the show because uh, there's so much to talk about. You know, um, I've confronted my school board. Now, I was not blessed with children, but that did not stop me from going to the meetings and speaking out because it's my tax dollar that goes into the school board. So if you're using my tax dollar, I've got a voice. And uh, I've chastised them a couple couple of times because someone was playing with their phone and another one was snickering when I was talking and oh did I call oh. them out like how dare you how dare you disrespect me in such a manner then I turned around to the school superintendent and says I apologize to you sir because we voted for these people in and you have to answer them I apologize and we're going to take care of that, <laughs> that excellent, like a excellent. good for you good for you so, you're in good company, but again, we've got to get you to come back on and help you uh, get people to buy this book, which is titled A Parallel Election that they can get up on Amazon. There's a link on the show page. They can click on it and go straight over there and read what you and your co-authors wrote on the book and the facts that are out there and the way they can recognize it in their local area. Yes, thank you so much. You can also find it at www.parallelelection.com. And uh, you can also donate to us on uh, www.patriot.online. Just click that donate button uh, because we do represent ourselves. Well, God bless, Lake. And like I said, we've got to get you back on and get you back on soon. I would love to. Thank you so much, ladies. God bless. God bless you. Take care. All right. All right. Leah, Bye-bye. Oops. Leah Hoops, and check it out, ParallelElection.com. We're going to bring back onto the show, and it's my band that I have not had him on here for quite a few years, 
So you can beat me up as much as you want. Frank Gaffney, he is the founder and executive chair for the Center of Security Policy, as well as the author of a new book out called The Indictment, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the whole world. And I got that out with one one breath, Frank. Aren't you proud of me? I am indeed. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. My guest co-host today is Lucretia Hughes. She has her own podcast called Real News with Lucretia Hughes. Lucretia, say hi to Frank. Hey, Frank. How you doing? Very well. Nice to be with you both. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you have to say also. She was kind of giving me a little of your um, background and, and, you know, your expertise. So I know this is going to be a very great interview. Ah, uh, It will so. be. Uh, well, we've been talking about uh, communist China and their influence here in the United States. And um, I, a lot of times when I do, I find strange things happen to my show. Like suddenly my system will crash. So if we end up crashing in the middle, that means someone on the wrong side is tuning in. <laughs> we have covered everything from uh, the Fulangang and the organ harvesting and the influence in colleges and the growth of, in- of their interest in businesses and government. And we can go on and on and on. And the infection of the Communist Chinese Party here in our politics as well as nationwide is being ignored. I fear it's worse than it's being ignored. We're being duped into thinking that it's not a problem. Uh, I think that's an active commission, not omission, uh, that is compounding greatly the danger. And it's not an accident, comrade. <laughs> the communists no, like it's to not. Say. That, that, is, that is, I think, the direct result of what is arguably the single most important line of attack that the Chinese Communist Party has engaged in, in what it calls its unrestricted warfare against our country going back to the 1990s. And that is uh, well, I... a practice. Again, their term for it is elite capture. Um, the people that we would you know, count on to tell us the truth and warn us about dangers and so on are not doing it because I believe in many cases they have been captured by that very enemy. Well, I would actually go back to the 1970s. And the reason why I would say that is if you remember Richard Nixon opening the Chinese door with ping pong diplomacy with Henry Kissinger. And I recall back then screaming, what are you thinking? What are you doing? First off, communist China fought on the side of uh, North Korea in the Korean War. They fought on the side of the, of the Viet Cong. Oh, yes, we did help them during World War II, but they were still communist Chinese. We went to bed with our enemy in World War II simply to get rid of the Japanese tyranny. However, we had shut the door and and stifled their economy by trade embargoes and other things that we did. We denied them access to our, our Wall Street. We denied them access to the U.N., and yet, in one fell swoop, with that ping-pong diplomacy, we opened the door wide open. 
which gave Bill Clinton the ability to give them technology to help them advance their cause. Am I looking at this wrong? No, I think you've got it right. Unfortunately, in the years since Bill Clinton, they have been aided and abetted to an even greater degree uh, by people like Barack Obama and Mm -hmm. most especially, I think, our current president, Joe Biden. And the cumulative effect, there have been Republicans who've, you know, helped them along the way as well. Let's be clear, George H.W. Bush turned a blind eye to the Tiananmen Square massacre and assured them it would be Mm -hmm. business as usual as a result uh, and others since. But I think the main thing is that the American people have become awakened, albeit very, very late in the game to the danger we face from the Chinese Communist Party. I think partly, you know, the old line about any of the conservative being a liberal who's been mugged by reality. Well, Mm -hmm. a lot of us have been mugged by the reality of the the danger posed to us by the Chinese Communist Party because we've been severely harmed by what properly understood was a biological warfare attack against our country, the so-called... COVID-19 pandemic and its SARS-CoV-2 virus or Wuhan virus, that that was not an accident either, comrade. No. That was a deliberate effort, I think, to, uh, well, overthrow the government of uh, Donald Trump, for one thing, and uh, weaken the United States uh, materially at a time when uh, China was back on its heels, thanks to the Trump policies. And from that point forward, uh, a million plus of us have been killed. Our economy has been upended. Uh, Our freedoms have been very severely harmed. Even our Constitution, I believe, and the republic that it uh, is founded on, uh, you know, have been uh, impaired, to say the least, by the Chinese Communist Party. And I think an awful lot of Americans get at least some aspect of that, which makes it possible for us, hopefully, uh, to further inform them with uh, our book, The Indictment, and other efforts to realize that we have to now contend with this adversary um, as the mortal threat that it is. Well, i got to tell you, I went and I used the Kindle uh, version, <clears throat> I have to admit, uh, because that way I could highlight and print out all my notes, but I used the Kindle to read your, your book, which I have. And unfortunately, I had so many highlights, I exceeded the minimum, the, the maximum amount. So I ended up with only 26 <laughs> pages of highlighted notes rather than probably the 40 or 50 I would have had. Uh, and wow. so I went extensively over it. And everything you wrote in the book is everything I have been screaming and a couple of extra little things that I said, well, yeah, that's right. Um, mm. I've been talking about the virtual gulag that they have been putting their people into, but yet people are ignoring the fact that we've got these billboards out there that recognize your emotions as you walk past it, and it automatically changes to reflect whatever it is that might mm. sell you. Uh, they, we have that. But where does most of this stuff come from? Originally through the Chinese. I dare people Mm. to walk into Walmart, pick something up, a a manufactured item that's in Walmart that has not been made in China. 
I, I no. dare people. You're going to be hard pressed to find something that you could purchase in Walmart. The only thing you might find is ammunition. That's if Walmart decides to even have a person at the counter. I would say 99% of the time I go into Walmart, there's no one there. So you can't purchase ammunition or anything in that area of Walmart. And some Walmarts have even phased out that section. So even there yeah. you can't purchase American made in but America. But I, I think it's the case, Andy, that the lead probably came from China. It's not the full round. You can buy one. Now pick up your smart device and tell me what part of that has not been manufactured in China. A lot of the components in your smart device have been manufactured in China. You've got your smart appliances in the house that recognize you or tell you what's in your refrigerator. Now how much of this is going to be fed through communist China? Uh, I had a friend of mine talk about DNA testing and wanted to send in a sample kit. And I said, well, who to get the sample kit through? Because we'll have to find out whether or not the Chinese are involved in their laboratory or have hacked into their laboratory for information on our DNA. Now, why would they need our DNA? Oh, wait a minute. Wuhan lab. Had they get know-how to modify DNA unless they had access to DNA worldwide? And I can go on and on and on. Frank, I could have co-wrote this book with you. <laughs> well, you obviously were an inspiration for it and thank you for that as were by the way um, some 70 webinars that we've conducted um, under the banner of our committee on the present danger of China and at the back of the book as you've seen uh, and I'm sure is the uh, list of all those webinars and there's a QR code that allows you to pull them up uh, as you wish and uh, they're just extraordinarily informative in the kind of topics that you've just described and, and many, many others as well. And I, I would just say that there is an urgent need for the public to take aboard the kind of information that you've been providing and, and we're trying to as well. Uh, at a moment when, you know, the real concern that I have is that uh, the Chinese are not content any longer with this so-called unrestricted warfare of the pre-kinetic kind. Uh, they're now poised to get into a shooting war with not just Taiwan, but with us as well. And um, we've got to be cognizant and as best prepared as we can be to deal with that eventuality. Well, uh, my fiancé happens to be a Cuban refugee, and he saw the missiles as they were being tugged around Cuba. His family knew the Castros. Uh, and when I mentioned that it sounds like the Chinese had been developing uh, a, a base in Cuba, and it's not something brand new, it's something that's been in the works for a while, but no one's been paying attention to it. Now, his thing was, well, why would they want to be in Cuba? And I said, how about 90 miles that separate the United States from Cuba? How about a nice launching pad? Does that sound familiar? And we have a base in New England, a naval base that our vessels can't go into because why? The Chinese own it. Why do they own one of our military bases? I didn't know that they did. Uh, if they did, well, they it's had, because of the they, same general practice that own. allows us to yes. you know, actually buy equipment to go into our advanced weapon systems from China. I mean, this is insane. 
Well, I'm in the heart of the Tri-Command. I've got the Marine Corps Air Station a few miles up the road one way. I've got the Paris Island Recruit Depot in the other way. I've got the Naval Hospital in the third direction. I'm right smack in the heart, in the heart of the Marine Corps here. And when it came to the F-35s, and boy, I could rattle the stuff off on the F-35s because I was battling my county council who was trying to buy a business park right across the street from it. And I, I knew what was going on with the F-35s, yet how many parts were in those F-35s and how many billions upon billions of dollars did we spend on it for the Chinese to affect the pilots? And pilots were passing out while flying the F-35s because of what they put into them. Hmm. Well, I'm, again, not entirely up to speed on that particular point, but I think the, the larger one that we do have in weapon systems like the F-35, those kinds of vulnerabilities uh, to the supply chain, to defective equipment, to uh, perhaps manipulation as well, uh, that is, is just the height of irresponsibility, especially yeah. under circumstances in which, uh, again, uh, a shooting war is a distinct possibility. And, and in part, I just have to say, uh, Annie, that so is the idea that we would have as the commander-in-chief of the United States military, a man who was uh, one of my colleagues, Sam Faddis, a career undercover CIA operative who used to recruit and run agents for our country for a living, said mm -hmm. in the terms of the tradecraft, uh, the, the lexicon of intelligence, Joe Biden is a, quote, controlled asset of the Chinese Communist Party, unquote. And what that means, again, if we're possibly at the point of a shooting war, it is just uh, irresponsible, it is dangerous, it is treasonous in the extreme. It is. And Sam Faddis happens to be another friend of mine, a friend of the show, and magazine, yeah, A&D Magazine, is a must-read. And he gets right Amen. into the heart of the matter. And a lot of these things he's been talking about. Uh, but one of the things with the F-35s, to get back to that, just to let you know what I've, I've learned, is that the steel that was going into the skins on the F-35s were coming from China. So we had a problem with the, hmm. the structural failures in some of them. Uh, also, the respiratory equipment that the pilots were using as they were flying was defective. There was something in there that was causing the pilots to pass out. And once they changed out the mask system and the oxygen systems, the pilots were able to function again properly without fear of passing out. And then there were other little minor components, electronic parts that were not really minor once they were in flight and engaging in training and that was starting to go defective. Uh, then there was questionable whether or not they were placing things in there in which they could track and understand more. Uh, there's so yeah. much that was going on with that. Uh, and yeah. here is an, a crucial part. So we weren't using the F-35s just for us. We were selling these things also to other nations. So the very same right. things that the Chinese were putting there were going into other nations. Um, we can talk about, you mentioned in the book, about their entrance into our businesses. A uh, few people understand that if we have manufacturing done over in China, any company that does business in China must have a member of the Chinese Communist Party on board. And we must give them all the information of all our technologies and trade secrets and patents. 
So they have our technology, our knowledge, and we just hand it to them. And you, An awful lot of it, or it, if they don't it, get it voluntarily, they steal it from us. By some estimates, right. that's $600 billion worth of proprietary information, including classified stuff, from the United States every year. Imagine that. And every time... Every time I see someone wearing something Nike, I'm screaming at them, why are you wearing something produced by slave labor? Mm-hmm. Excuse me? You talk about the Uyghurs in the Muslim uh, ethnic over there in China that's being persecuted. And what province are most of these manufacturing companies going into? The very province that they are being imprisoned in, which they named. That's right. That's exactly. right. Xinjiang is and what I, they call I picked it. Up uh, something. East Turkestan. It's Turkestan is what they used to call it. Yeah, and I, I was looking at something to purchase, and I looked down to see where it was manufactured, and guess what providence it came out of. So guaranteed it was done by slave labor. Mm-hmm. No, you're so right. <laughs> but again, how does this happen, I guess is the question that probably most of your listeners would have. And the way it happens is people are bought, mm-hmm. usually it's with money. Uh, sometimes it's sexual favor. Sometimes there's an ideological affiliation. But typically what it means is Americans in these elites, and when I say that, I mean you know Wall Street most especially, uh, the business community more generally, Walmart you mentioned, academia, the media, Hollywood, you know, sports, entertainment, and like – I mean, these are people, uh, to say nothing of politicians, starting with Joe Biden, who have been uh, induced through one means or another to work for the Chinese Communist Party. And that has to stop. We we have 20 different recommendations in this book, The Indictment, and I think that's the single most important one. We must remove from positions of power and influence people working for the other side. And that's especially true, again, with the commander-in-chief of the United States military, president of the United States. Absolutely. Um, We noticed that their infiltration into the United States actually goes back several decades. And they started in with the colleges and other educational uh, things, such as the Confucius School for elementary school. Um, So now you you get them when they're young and when they're – uh, impressionable. Uh, then you add by the support of Marxism. And a lot of our kids grew up thinking Marxism was far more better than our democratically elected republic. Uh, no, no, wait a minute, we're slave labor. Well, what do you think the Chinese are doing? Then they go around and they go into local communities, like you mentioned in the book, uh, and go after businesses. Oh, we want to develop this area and we're going to help you raise your tax base. I go into a county council meeting a number of years ago, and they're talking about hooking up with this Chinese businessman from communist China who wanted to help develop and make a sustainable community within our county. Oh, you should see my head explode on that one. Why should we be afraid of something like that? Well, for the reasons you've been discussing, we should be concerned about arrangements whereby more Chinese communist operatives and personnel and equipment, including spying equipment and other means of um, facilitating operations 
from uh, that can be used to sabotage us or otherwise attack uh, or conduct assassinations. Who knows what all else? Those things are problematic. If they're farmland and it's taking it out of circulation for the United States and it's creating a greater um, uh, you know, uh, self-reliance for the Chinese uh, in that space, that's, I think, not a good idea either. But, but on top of all of this, as I'm sure you know, any, uh, Sam Pattis has written about this uh, recently, uh, so among other reasons you'd have this from him. The migration across our southern border of, by some estimates I've heard, as high as 10,000 military-age unaccompanied mm-hmm. Chinese men who seemingly are carrying pretty much identical backpacks and canteens and uh, seem to be traveling in groups and, according to Michael Yan, pretend that they don't speak English, all of which suggests that these are, uh, these are members of, you know, perhaps special operations units of the People's Liberation Army. Why should we be concerned about that? to say nothing of all these other things, because they are evidence of the malign intent of the Chinese Communist Party. And anything and everything we do that facilitates their acting on that intent is obviously suicidal, um, but it is also emboldening them to think that they can get yeah. away literally with murder. Well, you know, when just before I moved here to South Carolina, when I came here in 2001, I remember sitting in the doctor's office reading, I don't remember if it was Time Magazine or Newsweek, one of those, and they were talking about OTMs coming across the border illegally, mm-hmm. other than Mexicans, OTMs. And they had a huge spread article on this one, and one of the pictures had the sign, and it was in several different languages, you know, Spanish... And one of the languages the sign was, as they crossed the border, was Chinese, one of the languages on the sign. And I'm thinking to myself, why would there be Chinese? And as we re- I read through the article, and it was either done in either 98 or 99, I can't find it, but I do remember the article very well. I'm thinking, why Chinese? Boy, was I really naive back then. I've had a, I, my eyes opened wide because I started asking the question. Why do we have a sign welcoming illegal immigrants from China? <laughs> and I found that rather fascinating. It was in Muslim, and they were talking back, back then in 98 and 99 about the prayer rugs and the Korans that were being found in the desert. And I said, gee, yeah. interesting. Spanish, Islam, and Chinese. And then when you link Islam and Chinese together in the region that they're in and their uh, mutual uh, uh, interests, it opens a whole other doorway, something that you mentioned mm-hmm. also in your book. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think the truth of the matter is all of the totalitarians, uh, whether the Chinese communists, uh, whether they're uh, their friends and allies like the Russians, whether they're the uh, Sharia supremacists, as I think of them, uh, of the Islamic faith, uh, or, or globalists uh, that are basically totalitarians uh, dressed up as capitalists. These are people who have joined forces who are making common cause 
against us because they all see us. They have their differences, of course, they particularly with their end games, but they all see us as the impediment to the realization of their goals, namely for global domination. And uh, they'll sort it out between them once they get rid of us. I, my money's on the Chinese communists, honestly, but whoever prevails will, I think, uh, be ha- you know, the victor over first us and then possibly the others. Yeah, now try to explain to us um, exactly how involved are the Chinese communists here in the United States? Because I briefly mentioned a few things, um, but our everyday daily lives, there is somewhere along the way influences from communist China in everything we're doing, isn't there? They, they have what they call the high yeah, divide. Much. I mean, you you have you have mentioned a couple of things like you know uh, the supply chain dependencies for example uh, including the things like medicine by the way uh, yeah the hide and bite strategy is is essentially how this came to pass uh, back in the early 1990s after the Soviet Union collapsed the then general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party Deng Xiaoping devised this approach to uh, try to assure that uh, the same thing wouldn't happen to the Chinese communists because they would be as a result of hiding their true intent and biding their time, able to so entangle themselves with the West for the purposes of obtaining, among other things, financing, technology, and other know-how, educating their young people, and so on, uh, for the purpose concealed from us, though it was, nonetheless, the purpose of taking down this country and uh, with it the rest of the world. And uh, that has now, I think, been shown to have been wildly successful. It's not that they haven't got problems. They do have some very serious problems, as a matter of fact. But their success in capturing our elites, their success in uh, economic warfare against our country, uh, essentially hollowing it out, uh, the industrial base most especially, their success in a biological warfare attack against us, uh, their success in, uh, you know, for that matter, taking down our military with, with the help of their friends. And this is a really important point. Those elites they've captured have helped them in all of these regards. They have transformed not only their own country, but the balance of power between us uh, to a point where I think they think they can be uh, successful in waging, again, not just uh, this pre-kinetic uh, economic warfare, political warfare, sabotage, and so on, but uh, actual old-fashioned kinetic shooting war as well. Yeah, now, they've mm-hmm. been buying up businesses, they've been buying up farmland and processing plants and you mentioned medicine and I have to tell you that there's one point I had taken an antibiotic one that I had taken for many times for years and suddenly I had an allergic reaction and Mm -hmm. I ended up in the emergency room uh, because I went into full anaphylactic shock and the question was why did I have suddenly this reaction to the medicine and Mm -hmm. when I thought about it for five minutes I said you know what how do you know where that pill was manufactured? If somewhere I, right. 
am I correct in thinking that somewhere close to 90% of our medicines, whether they're over-the-counter or prescription, are now coming out of China? That was actually stated at one of the press conferences during the scamdemic. Uh, President Trump got up there and actually stated with um, Dr. Fructose, me, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Briggs was up there, and they actually said 90% of our medical equipment, our drugs, our pharmaceutical stuff is made and produced and imported from China. I remember that. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Lucretia. Look, the the reality is whatever the exact number is of uh, both finished products and generic drugs and um, the so-called API, the key ingredients, um, they're, they're, they're wildly high, for one thing, and they have created a dependency that is life-threatening for millions, if not tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of Americans. And we can only say this situation, outrageous as it is, has come about because certain people got rich selling out our country. Mm -hmm. And it persists because those people and others like them have a vested interest in continuing the arrangement. Uh, The Chinese Communist Party certainly does but also so do some in the business sector. And and could I just make this one further point? Because I think it's so important to everything we've talked about. Of all of the elites who have been captured in this country by our mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party, I think the single Mm -hmm. most worrying are the people who are the masters of the universe, as they like to think of themselves, on Wall Street. Because what they've Mm -hmm. done is they have moved by some estimates, three to six trillion dollars from American investors' portfolios into China. And the dirty little secret is, if there is in fact a shooting war with China, all of that money, I think it's fair to say, will be lost. Will disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, especially if you have a government pension. Uh, which is yes, what I'm on, a government pension. Uh, that money has been heavily invested. And in some cases, they're using the ESGs to manipulate the investments also. They're involved heavily in promoting a lot of this oddball stuff we see happening in our nation. I mean, where do you think a lot of the money is that's going into a lot of the major news media outlets? Why is it slanted so far to the left? Uh, yeah. You see well, this again. You mentioned or, Hollywood or to, the, to the Communist Party. Yeah, in part yeah. the money's coming from China. Yeah. And, and now we have. Uh, you were talking about the Wuhan lab, and I had traced back at the start before the pandemic pandemic became declared by the World Health Organization several months after everyone else knew about it. And the only reason why I knew about the pandemic coming is because I had two friends of mine in China, in the Wuhan province, serving as missionaries. And they were giving us the heads up. Why did the Chinese communists know about the virus and how lethal it was and allow their people to travel around the world during the uh, the Chinese New Year? Only to spread it. That's why we call it a biological warfare attack. They knew exactly what they were dealing with. 
It had come out of their biological warfare laboratory in Wuhan. However it got out, we don't know for sure. But what we do know, as you said, is once it was out, they deliberately sent it around the world, including to us, at a moment when they weren't allowing people from Wuhan to move within within China. That is a deliberate, purposeful unleashing of a biological warfare agent on millions, hundreds of millions, billions of uh, unsuspecting people around the world. It's never been done in the history of the world to this point, as my friend Gordon Chang likes to say. But it did happen then, and at the minimum, what's so chilling is it is a proof of concept of how Mm -hmm. an even more deadly biological agent could be unleashed upon us in the future. Yeah, I was so much fun when I was reading your book to see friends of mine that were also friends of yours, like Gordon Chang. His wife is mm. so precious, <laughs> so precious. Yeah, I love dear. her dearly. Uh, Trevor Great Loudon. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I we've met him when he was just brand new to the United States, previous girlfriend, not to his current wife. Um, right. And I having all these people that are inside your book and saying, oh, wow, <laughs> you're traveling good circles, Frank. <laughs> yeah, these are good people. And most of them have contributed very considerably to my own understanding of this. And I think through these webinars and now through the book, the indictment's efforts to sort of distill the most important recommendations and analyses contributed to everybody else's uh, ability to actually get your hands around what on earth is going on here. How do we stop it? Exactly. And when we're talking about the Chinese virus, I'll be honest, this is the Chinese communist virus. Um, I looked originally to who was donating money to this lab, including our own tax dollars going to the lab. And a lot of these elite in our society were people that were supporting the the experimentation that was going on. And we knew the lab was doing this because another country had run the lab and gave it up to the communist Chinese. Well, I think the French built it for them, um, but yep. I, I don't know that they operated it uh, themselves. But, but you're right. Um, we had reason to know what was going on there. Tony Fauci knew what was going on there. Um, you know, Ralph Barrick at the Northern University of Northern Cal- uh, North Carolina, Peter Doshik of EcoHealth Alliance, these guys knew exactly what was going on there. And they deliberately lied about it. And mm-hmm. in so doing, they condemned countless millions of people to needless death. Uh, some mm-hmm. million of ours. But, but here's the other piece of this that I just want to really impress upon your audience, because this is, this is a real-time, no-drill threat. The group that made, I think, the biggest single contribution to the perpetration of uh, the damage that was done to us during this COVID pandemic is an outfit called the World Health Organization. Oh, it's yeah. run. It's run by the Chinese Communist Party. And the Chinese Communists and the World Economic Forum, those Davos, you know, globalists, and the United Nations and Bill Gates, 
who does a lot of funding of the WHO, by the mm-hmm. way, and Big Pharma, mm-hmm. have all been working tirelessly to try to give this outfit that lied to us about the nature of this virus, where it came from, whether it was transmissible, and most importantly, how it could be best treated with the World Health Organization. They want to give this organization more power, not not what they had during the pandemic, which is essentially an advisory role, but the ability to dictate to us, what is a public health emergency and what we must do about it. And the result of that would be the end of a sovereign America and the freedoms that we hold dear. And they are well advanced in pulling that off. I I am pleased to report that the United States House of Representatives Appropriations Subcommittee that is responsible for marking up and enacting legislation to fund the World Health Organization, has decided to zero out the funding for the next year. That is, I hope, going to be the final word on it. It's it's very early on at the moment, but it's a critically important first step towards withdrawing us from the World Health Organization. So we cannot be subjected to that kind of uh, dictate from a corrupt, communist-run and malfeasant operation like the WHO. Yeah, because with this, the amendments they put in there, they basically can declare what is or isn't a pandemic or a a crisis, uh, depending right. upon how public it's worded. Public health emergency, right? Exactly. Now, public health emergency could be um, guns. Too many gun yeah, deaths. Gun violence. Hundred uh, uh, percent. Public health emergency could be climate change. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. They want to now use pig fat to now fly airplanes, use it for fuel. But meanwhile, to fly from New York to Paris, you would have to kill somewhere around 9,000 pigs to have enough fat just to go one way. Oh, wait a minute. So I, we have another crisis. I can't imagine crisis. it's that little. Yeah, I think it's probably more. <laughs> well, but, but the article the I thing. read yesterday said about that. Here's the other thing. The World Health Organization has what it calls a One Health Agenda, which would entrust to its director general, this uh, Ethiopian communist, some say terrorist, uh, who is now the, the guy running the World Health Organization, the authority not only to intervene on behalf of public health emergencies affecting humans, but also animals and plants and the environment. You know the old uh, mm-hmm. gospel song, he's got the whole world in his hands? Well, that's oh, what yeah. they have in mind for Tedros Cabrasis. And I can't think of a worse idea, honestly. One more dangerous to our freedoms. And if, if you liked what happened in the COVID-19 pandemic to your freedoms, to your relationship with your doctor, to your ability to get the best medical advice, uh, about things like ivermectin, for example, or hydroxychloroquine as alternatives to these jabs. Well, they've got a lot worse in store if they can actually tell you what to do and make you do it. That's what they're working to get. Yeah. Because you write in there, it could be the forced quarantine, confinement of individuals, 
forced medical examinations required injections. So if you do a forced medical examination, then you may be forced into a medical procedure. But, oh, wait a minute, don't they already do that on their own people? Now, unless you are purely ethnic Chinese, you're anyone else, you're not fully human, according to the Chinese. So they can say, you are now subhuman, therefore you are expendable. Wow. 100%. They, they even do that to some of their own people, though, too. I mean, the Han Chinese have suffered. We, we're, our, our book, The Indictment, has nine specific charges in it, the first of which is the overarching charge of crimes against humanity, uh, noting that by, I think, reasonable estimates, 100 million people uh, some Uyghurs, some Tibetans, some Southern Mongolians, some from Hong Kong, yes, but mostly Han Chinese have been murdered by the Chinese Communist Party over the past 70-odd years. And get this, that doesn't count 400 million more that they boast as having killed in the womb, mostly baby yeah. girls. Some say it's as high as 500 million. But whatever the number is, there's never been carnage like this unleashed on the world by anybody. You, you put, pick a tyrant, pick, pick, you know, a genocidal maniac, put them all together, and you still don't get anything close to this. And the most important takeaway in that regard, I have to say, is any government that treats their own people that badly is not going to treat ours any better. That's for sure. No, no, it's not. And when you think about this push now, and I'm going to really push the envelope here, um, we're, we've been trying to shut down Planned Parenthood because we want to save the life of the preborn child still in the womb. Well, we've succeeded in slowing them down, but now Planned Parenthood has branched out into hormone therapy for kids. Uh, so I made the comment in the last show that if they can't kill them Gender in the womb, affirming care, you mean? Yes. They will then prevent them from producing a future generation by getting them after they've left the wound with this gender affirming. Now, if the medical equipment and the drugs are coming out of China, how much more influence have they made into that segment of our politics and society and influence in supporting this new gender-affirming fad? Well, I, I think it's hard to be precise about this, but I think if you look at cultural Marxism as practiced by Mao and his disciples and followers, anything that can fracture society, uh, and most especially families and and faith communities, is a weapon to be wielded by the Marxists and by the Chinese communists especially. And I think so it follows because this whole transgender fad, as you call it, um, cult, you know, uh, mania, really, uh, whether it's been promoted by TikTok, which is oh, an incredibly powerful <laughs> tool for, for indoctrinating, especially young people, whether it's now being embraced by teachers 
and others who you know uh, follow this cultural Marxism business, um, whether it's the LGBTQ whatever community um, and its friends, it it's got a common denominator, and that is it is unhealthy for the most the, the people most immediately involved, obviously, but also for the society. And I think the Chinese communists understand that, and I think they are promoting it, and I think they stand to benefit from it. Yeah. Now, they've been working to take down our economy for quite a long time. If they can control the production of food in every stage, they can control us. They can starve us out. Uh, if they can control the green energy uh, programs, they can control our ability to be self-sufficient energy-wise. Uh, they can, can control so many different things. Now, it, it's interesting that uh, China has now got access to rare earth minerals like they've never had before by us just simply giving up Afghanistan. And there are so many ways they can destroy our economy, and no one's paying attention. Well, not exactly no one but we certainly are and we're, we're trying to help others um, both pay attention but more to the point understand what we can do about it because in, in addition to the nine charges in the indictment we've got 20 specific actionable steps that can be taken and, and we argue must be taken to try to save our country from what the Chinese have in mind for us which is our destruction and I, I think you're absolutely right getting getting information across about uh, the magnitude of the damage that has been done so far as well as that that they aspire to do in the future is essential if there is to be any hope for a course correction you know I, I'm a product uh, in my youth of the imprinting uh, by a man I had the privilege of subsequently working for, President Ronald Reagan. Uh, at the time, he was uh, a candidate for the presidency, and he went to a group called the Committee on the Present Danger, and he asked for their help in devising a strategy for effecting a course correction on the conduct of mm -hmm. our relations with what was at the time the great existential threat to freedom namely the Soviet Union and its Communist Party. And uh, they helped him devise a strategy. He ran on it, sought a mandate from the American people, and in 1980 he was elected on that basis. And he proceeded, with the help, by the way, of quite a number of those members of that committee, to effect that strategy. I had a small role in it in the Pentagon, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. We need a similar kind of course correction. So our Committee on the Present Danger China has been trying to advance such a strategy. It's come together in this book at the moment, and uh, we're very hopeful that the American people will have the opportunity uh, in another election to give a similar kind of mandate to someone who understands that we have to have a fundamental change in the trajectory of our relationship with the Chinese Communist Party or we will be toast, period. Well, with what is going on with Hunter and uh, I call him creepy Uncle Joe, uh, Biden uh, exposing their connections with the communist China. We've seen where members of Congress uh, 
uh, members of the Senate, some rather prominent, well-known names currently still in their seats of power with direct connections into the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, some that have girlfriends, some had chauffeurs, some had the father-in-law buy them ships. Uh, they were involved in our politics. They were involved in our businesses, and they're involved in our education. They're involved in buying real estate left and right, uh, controlling farmland. Uh, They are now also controlling other countries through the road and belt initiatives. Uh, They are now controlling the Catholic Church through the Pope, who has turned around and said to Communist China, uh, well, instead of us choosing what bishops serve the the Catholic churches in China, um, you're going to allow the Catholic churches to operate, and you can pick the new bishops over there. So they're controlling religion. Um, There has been a huge rift in our church splitting from the Episcopal because they went too far left. And we fought them in lawsuits here in South Carolina, and we partially won, partially lost. Uh, But how much of that influence was done through Chinese Marxism ideals? Uh, We have to recognize the threat, and that's the number one thing you write out of those 20 steps. Recognize the threat. And with Joe Biden, uh, this investigation is exposing that threat for the first time to many Americans. Yeah, look, I I don't think we've gotten anywhere near the bottom of it, but we've certainly had plenty of evidence that, as I said, according to Sam Pattis, we are dealing with a man who is not, you know, the term compromise, I think, uh, puts a, a too benign a gloss on it. This is a man who has betrayed his country, he and his, yes. son, his family. Mm-hmm. They have betrayed our country. And again, it's unconscionable not to say intolerable, that they be anywhere near the seats of power uh, at a moment such as this. Uh, you know, turning a blind eye to what's going on in Cuba with the Chinese building bases and uh, threatening capabilities from there to, you know, what they're doing with their elites inside our own country to, as you say, the Belt and Road Initiative, building out a colonial empire around the world. And virtually all of this, including that unprecedented military buildup that they're engaged in to threaten us with a kinetic war, that we're paying for with our money, mm-hmm. our, our pension funds, our mutual funds, our in, other investments through Wall Street's, uh, you know, slicing off uh, trillions and trillions of dollars to China. This, there is the only thing that I can say that is hopeful about this is China has its own problems, serious problems. But unfortunately, I think those serious problems make war more likely because that's what totalitarians do when they get into trouble at home. So the other thing that is perhaps our, if I can call it this, saving grace, is that I think God hasn't given up on our country yet. I pray that's the case. I hope so. And we've given up plenty of reasons to have given up, but if he hasn't, Everything's possible if we are prayerful and we are seeking his grace. And I think that's the note on which I would like to leave you and your audience is this is a moment for profound prayer and repentance and, you know, redoubling our conviction that uh, 
we we need God's help because we certainly do. And, and it's funny because I've been hearing more people starting to talk about the ends of times and coming from individuals, mm-hmm. I never thought I would hear it. Uh, but people are starting to recognize that certain things are occurring and that we better start waking up and smelling the coffee here. Um, mm-hmm. At one point in time, we didn't have a communist par- uh, caucus. But now we have a communist caucus in our government. Uh, Hillary Clinton publicly announced, I am a progressive. And that shocked me that no one challenged her on that. Uh, And once she opened that door, it became a floodgate. We've got to delegitimize, as you say, the Communist Party in our, our, our society here, in our government, in our businesses, in every aspect in our lives, we must delegitimize them. Uh, you can start by not buying Chinese, uh, but then again, it's they're involved in everything. And now yes, with uh, artificial intelligence, how much they're going to use that against us and how much information they're garnering with people that foolishly go up on TikTok and do some of the dumbest things possible. And they're laughing. They're looking at what we're doing to our military. We're gutting our military. We're, fe- we're making it effeminate, ineffectual. Uh, we've got to reverse that. I've got so many friends that said, I I quit. I'm no longer going to be in the military because it's wrong. Yeah, this is a subject for another conversation, perhaps on another occasion. I have got to go. I I want to say thank you very much uh, to you and Lucretia for uh, uh, being so kind and generous with your time. And uh, I hope that people will take a look at the indictment. And uh, thank you for helping me introduce it to your audience. Well, Frank, you know you're always welcome on the show, and it was my bad I haven't had you back on sooner. My bad. That's okay. Well, we've made up for a lot of lost time. <laughs> Thank you so much to both. God bless. Take care. All right, check out Frank Gaffney. He's at the Senator Center for Secure Policy, as well as his book that you can get, The Indictment, Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. Ooh, I think I just lost Lucretia. I just lost my co-host. Hopefully she'll call right back in. She accidentally got dropped off. But there's so much that is in this book that, you know, people should, uh, they really do need to uh, read the book and his answers to it. Like one of them is getting our government to adopt an actual war footing. And we've got to rebuild our military. We've got to disengage from China economically. How much do they hold of our government debt? That I would like to know. And what would happen if we go to full-out war with China? What happens to our debt? What happens to our investments and our pensions and our retirement funds, our IRAs, what our banks and other things are investing in China? Um, Businesses that are being moved over to China, uh, bring them back here to the United States. Make us once again energy self-sufficient. We've got a government right now looking to take us off fossil fuels. But if they stop drilling and searching for fossil fuels, who's going to make the plastics that go into all the things we use every day? Um, who's going to make – what are you going to use? You need fossil – and we have Lucretia keeps on bouncing in and out, so hopefully she'll get herself back in here. Um, I dare people to name me a single pro- product something that you come into contact every day that does not involve fossil fuels, where it's a matter of transporting it, 
manufacturing it or going into the actual product itself. You need oil to run the machinery. I'm not talking about gasoline. Yes, you need that to transport, but the oil to keep the parts in the machinery running. Uh, you need fossil fuels for your, your smart device, your phone, your watches, your cosmetics, your soaps, your shoes, your clothing, everything. We need fossil fuels in one form or another. And I'm sorry, pig fat's not going to fly. As much as they want us to fuel our planes with them, it's not going to fly. Where's PETA when you need 9,000 pigs just to fuel a plane one way to get over to Europe? Where's PETA on on slaughtering 9,000 pigs? Really? Oh, but, oh, if it's not going to be pigs, they're going to use palm oil, which involves trees. And how much of the world will be deforested to create this palm oil to substitute for fossil fuel? All right, you, you want to fight global warming? Well, that is sure one way to deplete our planet and kill the planet. And some of these things that they, they're coming up with is just so ridiculous. And um, we're right now, I am going to have Mark Tapscott calling in in a few moments. Um, here's another thing he says, number nine, allow no further U.S. purchases of Chinese sovereign bonds until the CCP pays investors for outstanding debts on all those for which it is now responsible. So, you know, our investors are buying Chinese bonds, but they're not being paid off. Um, Bar the federal thrift savings plan from holding in Chinese companies. That's, again, our pension funds. Shut down the Confucius Institutes. This, like I said, they go in on the elementary school level into the colleges. Look at... Those of you that went to colleges and you still make endowments to your college or a donation or whatever, find out how much the Chinese are involved in your your college board, um, in the investment and funding endowments coming from Marxists, from coming from the Chinese Communist Party, uh, also from radical Islamic uh, institutions. Ah, here police operations. That's another one. They now have Chinese police stations throughout the world, including here in the United States. And I see a phone number here that is uh, different in the chat in the uh, studio queue. So if you are my guest, please press one because I don't recognize the phone number at the moment. Uh, again, ban TikTok. Uh, Shutter United Front operations and other Chinese diplomatic operations. There's a lot of great things they have uh, here in his book, so check it out. The Indictment by Frank Gaffney and bringing in the caller, and I have to apologize, don't recognize the phone number. To whom am I speaking? It's Lucretia Klukin. My phone completely uh, went out, so I had to go run and get my husband's phone, but I'm back. That's why I didn't recognize it. <laughs> oh, man. I was going over some of the things that Frank has in his book in which we need to uh, to uh, talk about. And there's so many things that he said. Uh, and your, your text just came through. <laughs> it only took a few minutes. <laughs> about taking back our country from the... Chinese Communist Party and their influence. And it's a fantastic, fantastic book. 
mean, holy cow. Were you aware of how much they were involved here in the United States? Me personally, when it comes to China, I'm just digging. I am not an expertise like he is, but I can go back to Mao. I could go back in the Chinese government, and then you could start pinpointing. When he was talking about Joe Biden and some, uh, you know, Obama, he started calling out names and how in bed these people are. When they're not hiding it anymore. Then he started talking about the import exports. He come out started talking about pharmaceuticals, how much China is involved. But if you remember last month, or maybe it was a month before last, that there was a lot of uh, private police stations all around the United States that was getting raided because they had police stations for their own people. So China has had a foothold in America. Me, personally, I'm only 47 years old, so I'm going to say early 80s is when they was ushered in with famine, uh, we are the world, even the hungry. That's when I can really see it was no longer American-made or uh, American first. Exactly, exactly. Now, what, those Chinese police stations, a lot of them were in ethnic neighborhoods. For example, there was one in Chinatown in New York City, but they hide it. They hide it before behind a storefront, and it'll be like in the back of the building or in an upper floor, so it's not seen by the public. But the people living in Chinatown know it's there. And their very presence being there was enough to intimidate the people because how many of them still have family still in communist China? And if they dare speak out, whoa, what, what would happen to their family back there? Well, look at and Mrs. Hoop, just, uh, Hoop that you had on earlier, the intimidation that our own DOJ, DOD, IRS, you know, FBI has been entangled with. But I believe in the 45 Rules of Communist Gold. This has been something in the works, if we want to take it back to 1963. They have been battling the Marxists, uh, the fascists, whatever we want to start calling these people. They have been making plans to fundamentally change America, and it just seems like Obama and the rest of them, as long as I've been paying attention to politics, sped it up a lot more with the help of the Bush clan. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes way back, and when you think about the influence that a, a lot of these uh, members of Congress and the Senate uh, had, they were influenced by the Chinese communists, whether it's through out, outright payouts or investments in whatever businesses they had, or even offering them cushy jobs when they leave the Senate and the House. But for just simply providing them whatever legislation they needed or whatever influence they needed to spread within us, like a virus. And they have become or a virus. Or them just like Jeffrey Epstein and the Lolita Express. you got to remember, that was Chinese tycoons that was on their flight wall. So this stuff goes mm-hmm. all the way to the creepiest of the vines, all the way to the sky. I, I remember him kept saying, the gods of this universe. I call it the gods of this world. Why I call it the gods of this world? Because, you know, they try to control the social media. They try to control big pharma. They try to control politics. They are the gods of this world feeding us bread and circuses. It is just what us common people out here, I I like calling us friendly and grassroots. It is what we're going to finally band together 
and take on and get out there. That's why I say when I go out, I see freedom, love, and patriots from every walk of life. So I try not to feed into the mainstream narrative or whatever big story is out there this week because no one wants to talk about Joe Biden, you know, getting impeached or the impeachment articles passing the House. You know, the the sweetheart deal with Hunter Biden is just dependent on what they're trying to cover up in this week's news. Well, we've got our next victim. He comes here every other week uh, to glorify us with what is going out there in the world from the Epic Times, as well as the founder of Hill Faith, our friend Mark Tapscott. Good afternoon, Mark. Welcome aboard. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I have as my guest co-host, Lucretia Hughes. She has her own podcast, Real News with Lucretia Hughes, and she's a dear friend of ours. So welcome aboard. Great to make your... It's great to meet you, too, even not eyesight-wise, but just to hear your perspective on some of the things that you've heard and what we've talked about, about the gods of this universe, of this world, and what do you see coming uh, in, in down the hopper, I like to say, plus with the Supreme Court three rulings that they've given us back to back to back, which I think are great rulings. Absolutely. This, this has been um, a couple of really... Of course, the decision with, uh, yeah. You hear me? You're bouncing in and out, Mark. Oh, I'm. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, you're bouncing in and out. They they kind of shot, they did shoot down affirmative action. I always thought the harder you work, that should be your merit on what you do, the hard work that you do in school. They also shot down, I would say, it's not the Christian bakery situation, but you know what it is? Because me being a small business, if I don't want to make gay pride T-shirts, hats, or mugs, I shouldn't have to. That's just my right under the First Amendment, which is just five things under there most people don't want to talk about. And then what was the other one? Hmm, it was the affirmative action. It was that one. It was one more big one that they just came out with that I think is a win for us. So three rulings back to back. I think the third one that you're referring to the student Mark, loan. Uh, yes, the student loan. They shot down Biden's plan for the student loan, saying since it didn't come through the House, it was unconstitutional because the way he did it was against the separation of powers. Um, but there was a fourth ruling that I was talking about earlier uh, dealing with um, – the state legislator having the ability to determine the circumstances of an election. They say, no, yes. it comes through the court. And that's a direct violation of the Constitution. How the heck could they come up with that, saying state legislators don't have the authority in determining how elections are done, the courts do? That's strange. Well, I, I think what the court said in that decision, the legislatures under the U.S. Constitution, to establish the rules for uh, how elections are but Oh, Mark, I'm sorry. Your phone connection is really bad. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. Your connection is really bad. Is there another phone you can call in and on or steal yeah, your I'm wife? <laughs> yes, steal your wife. <laughs> That's what you did, Lucretia. Stole your husband's phone yeah, to call back in. <laughs> 
Amen. Uh, while we're waiting for Mark to uh, try to call back in here, um, Matt Schlapp, uh, he's the chairman of CPAP. CPAC. Uh, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mark, you're calling the wrong number. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Mark, you're calling the wrong number. This is the cell phone call into the show with the 917 number. I don't know why that did that. Okay. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to put him on speakerphone and have to talk. But I don't know if that's going to cause a problem with reverb. <laughs> that's really weird. Oh, geez. That is too funny. You know, Lucretia, this is live radio. You never know what's going to happen, right? You never got to know. You just got to keep on um, talking. No dead air. Uh, with the topics as all the technical difficulties. You gotta remember what NASA just came out and said, was it uh yes, last week, that they're expecting or predicting a solar flare that's supposed to knock down the internet for months. So it's supposed to be catastrophic uh internet shutdown. We can blame it on NASA. <laughs> all right. Well, well blame this on uh, on NASA. Oh, you're back. Yes, now we got a nice clear connection. <laughs> now you can hear me. Good. Okay. I, my, our internet, by the way, earlier today was all kaplooey too. So maybe that solar thing is already happening. <laughs> so I, what I was saying about that decision is the court said, yes, state legislatures established the rules for elections, but those rules are subject to review by state courts according to the state constitution and that's at least in my judgment that's that's a reasonable position but what it does is it uh, subjects the state legislatures to second guessing by the judges on what are intrinsically political issues political matters and that's kind of a surprise, at least to me, and I'm not a lawyer, so perhaps I shouldn't be surprised, but the Supreme Court has, uh, since its founding, uh, there, are there are cases that it doesn't take because, in its judgment, they are political questions. And I would think that the rules for an election would be that sort of, um, that sort of thing, but apparently not. Now, what is but doesn't it matter if it's a? It doesn't matter if it's a federal election or if it's a state election. Isn't that where the Constitution actually draws the line at which election we're talking about and which legislations have what ruling? Well, the, the Constitution, the Constitution uh, says states. Um, Congress. Oh, there he goes again. Mark, we've just lost you again. This is crazy. It might this be is absolutely, maybe, uh, He just dropped out, dropped out again. This is... 
I don't know if it's blog talk or solar flare or because we are talking about China. <laughs> like I said, every time. Well, you know, we most of about... those, all of that is on the no-no list. We're not supposed to talk about <laughs> that or even have any inkling of what we're actually talking about. But I like talking to common sense people. They put it out there so we know mm-hmm. that is what they're saying the issues is. But if you live in the Northeast, it might be them um, trying to shoot down that uh, fire balloon again. <laughs> we got another fire balloon. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. We did throw in COVID in the Wuhan lab. Oh, we did throw yes, in COVID. And somebody said hydroquitoquam, which, you know, you can't say hydroquitoquam or uh, ivermectin. You can't say those words. <laughs> I think I called them Dr. Fruitcoat Corn, sir. Again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make this oh, third or fourth time I'm banned on YouTube. It's just all the way to the edge. Let's just take it all the way straight to the edge. Um, I'm still banned on things... YouTube, so don't feel lonely. <laughs> well, let's try. Let's try Mark once again. You know, Mark. I got to say, it could be that we we were getting attacked because we mentioned communist China. We mentioned the Wuhan lab. We mentioned uh, COVID nineteen. We mentioned hyperbectin, whatever that one is, or invermectin. Uh, we also mentioned the LBGT community. Uh, so I think we're batting a thousand to get ourselves banned off the internet again. <laughs> well, that could be. That could be. Can you hear me now? Yes, I guess we got you now. Good. <laughs> For how okay. long? Well, let's try it again. <laughs> I think, I I think just, 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 just to continue on the Supreme Court decisions, I really think the affirmative action decision is just an absolutely huge one. Um, you know, the liberals are in meltdown over that one because uh, that's the, that's the fundamental plank for them uh, discriminating on uh, discriminating on the basis of race because that's what equity, diversity, equity, and inclusion. What that really amounts to is discriminating on the basis of race, preferences for some and not for others. Correct. Yeah. Well. Matt, Matt Schlapp put out a nice uh, newsletter in response to it, and he points out that he sees it affecting uh, the DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion yep. uh, programs that so many businesses and other institutes are putting into place. Will that finally kill DEI across the board, or are we going to find a lot more problems? Well, it'll take it'll take years of litigation, but I think yes, it will ultimately because it removes the ability to uh, have as a standard anything other than equal protection of the law. Um, you know, you cannot substitute for equal protection of the law a preference based upon um, some other characteristic. Um, you know, it's like Martin Luther King said, let's, we should all be judged on the basis of our character, not the color of our skin. But it, it'll take a lot of cases and a lot of litigation because the, uh, the left, um, you know, they have built these programs for years and years and years, and they're not going to give them up without a big fight. No, 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 they're not. Uh, but when I was watching uh, Newsmax last night, I tried watching Fox, and whatever they had on there, I just was just unpalatable. 
Uh, they've gone so far off the, the rails there. But they were showing the statistics in education uh, and uh, economics, you know, their earnings, per capita earnings they have compared to different groups. And the disparity was phenomenal. Uh, where yeah. you have one group of people strive to do this on merit while others do the slide by just saying affirmative action will get me through this. So you see it. An no, 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 no. Uh, being a black woman, uh, can, can, can I put my input in this one? Oh, Stop definitely. Stop treating like second, third class citizens because I don't expect anything different from my grandkids or my kids. You get out there, you work hard, you bust your tail, you go to school if that's what you want, and you pick up a trade, but don't expect anybody to give you a handout. Now, I will give you a reel. I will point you to the lake. you got to figure out how to fish. Now, that's a thing of helping people up and a help out in life, but using it as a crush to make you feel or feel less superior or inferior than this. I'm over it. It's just like in the last couple of years. They pinpointed black and brown children. Okay, you can't read, you can't write, that's okay. I'm going to pat you on the head and push you through. Anyway, you look at these Democratic strongholds, most of the blacks in the unimpoverished, because I know a bunch of white people too, okay? There's a whole bunch of white people in poverty. And they just pass through with no means of education, not proficient in reading and writing. And it's, it, it is where you live, not the color of your skin. Out here in Walton County and where I live at, great, great A school. But if you go into the inner part of Atlanta anywhere like that, the Cab County, Fulton County, they're disaster area. Is it? I feel like the money needs to follow the children. I feel like co-op, um, any vouchers, this, this, this government education, it needs to stop. But I'm so tired of black people, Hispanics, poor whites. Asians and anyone else looking at us from the outside because we're some very highly intelligent people, and I'm tired of being patted on the head because I wish my grandchildren would look down upon themselves like they can't do it. You could do anything you put your mind to. Amen. That's why I love you, Lucretia. That's why I love Amen. you. <laughs> that is what America is supposed to be all about. Exactly. A, a a melting pot, not a mixing bowl of salad. And yeah. that's yeah. the whole thing. You know, a salad after a little while is going to wilt. It's going to destroy. It. You can't eat it. But if you have a mixing bowl and you mix everything together, it forms one fantastic meal. And yes. that's what we don't have. We, we're not bringing everyone to the table all together. I mean, yes, Celebrate your heritage. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But you're in America. You speak English first. <laughs> you know, no more dialing one just to speak English. Let's, let's be proud of our heritage and how this nation formed and how far we have and, come and which, which heritage should I focus on? Because I'm a mutt. I'm a, a Heinz 57 chick. I am literally Irish. <laughs> I am uh, I'm black. And I'm Cherokee. So which ancestry do I give the most praises to, or do I just glorify God making me in the image of him? Amen. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. I, I, am, exactly. I, am, I am English, Scots, and Cherokee. So who do we beat We're up the most? We're all a mix. They want us to hate one version of ourselves and, and, and love the other one. You can't straddle the fence. 
You cannot no. pick and choose because sooner, oh, I'm talking biblical. Sooner or later, you're going to hate one master and love the other. That's right. That's exactly right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I always say, and Lucretia, you, I know you've heard me say this, but God doesn't make a mistake. He put us here and now. And he said, I'm giving you this gift. Let's see what you can do with it. Uh, but instead, in order to get the votes and to stay in power, they must divide. And as you said, you end up hating part of yourself but supporting the other. No, wait a minute. I'm a one whole unit. And don't talk to me about reparations. I'm only second-generation American. I had no, my, my ancestors had nothing to do with it. But by the way, why are you visiting the sins of the fathers upon the children? The children had nothing to do with it. Yeah, because you cannot make people create doubt of the creator until they feel like they made them imperfect. God, God made us perfect in the way we are. So when these people are out here saying, I'm a, you a, I see a man, but now you want to tell me you, you're a woman. No, you hate yourself, and I'm not going to play in that game. Go look in the mirror, try to figure out why you hate yourself so much, and it ain't because of the Heavenly Father. It ain't because I'm black. It ain't because the other person is white. It's something inside of yourself that you cannot accept the basic fact that you are flawed in your thinking, and my God is an awesome God. Lucretia, I love the way you think. (laughs) A lot of people don't. (laughs) Uh, that, That is the voice of the Holy Spirit that I just heard. We've been doing a show. Tonight's show is literally 1,370 episodes. That's not including testifying in front of Congress. That's not including going around the nation for free and slanging T-shirts and hats just to get our voice out there. I said, you know what? I had one question after it was November the 5th, 2016. Berkeley University was set on fire because of some kids having a temper tantrum. And I say, God, all I see is hate. What do you want me to do? I had to deny myself. And this is when I really truly know what picking up the cross means. No matter what we've, I've been called, no matter if I lost my children there for a while, no matter if most of my family didn't talk, about, uh, talk to me, it was up to me and what I wanted to do and if I was going to follow the path he put me on. And hopefully, and, and no, hopefully, because you know yourself, in September the 9th, I am the fourth person to hit that stage before Donald J. Trump. I'm going to get this voice heard, and it's going to be what I stand for, and that's God, family, country, and Trump in that order. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran of Ronald Reagan's campaigns and administration, and as far as I'm concerned, he's the best president we've ever had. Um, but I understand what you're saying, Lucretia, and I think it's it's just – it's so refreshing to hear um, to hear you say that. I hate to do this to you, Annie, but I gotta go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> After all these technical uh, difficulties, but but I do. I gotta go pick up my wife. <laughs> oh, well, we'll let you go for that. That's important. <laughs> no wonder yes. why you couldn't steal her phone. <laughs> Listen, well, we'll it's, it's great to talk to you. to you again, Annie, and it's great to meet you, Lucretia. God bless. Yes, sir. You right. We'll, we'll talk with you. See you in two weeks. Take care. All right. <laughs> Mark Tapscott. Uh, check Mark, Mark Tapscott's writings over at the Epic Times. Uh, <laughs> go to the epictimes.com. Oh, man. He's, he's 
I have all these articles I printed out. I was going to talk to them, but we had not a chance to touch one of them. <laughs> but that's all right. Well, that's real life radio. Uh, us, uh, give us some topics. What would you like to talk about? Oh, man. Uh, one of the things I've been asking people, and uh, Joe Biden uh, and Hunter Biden, everything started breaking last week. But at the same time, the only news you heard was about this submersible that was going to the Titan, uh, the Titanic, and about its implosion. It co- that covered all the news, and Hunter and creepy Uncle Joe were kept on the back burner. Now, I was hearing reports, and it was also reported on AmericanBriefing.com, that he actually told the Navy to withhold the information about it imploding less than two hours into its journey. Were you hearing anything? I didn't hear that. No, I did not hear that. I heard that it was, I I don't know the ranking of the Navy, so I'm not going to pronounce them wrong. But, yes, there someone on the Navy ship actually heard the implosion, gave it to the higher command. The higher command passed, I mean, passed it. But you got to understand, this was international water. Yes. America did hear it, but dang it, it ain't America's responsibility to alert these people. They were shipped out of Canada. So if this, if this international company wasn't under the authority of America, then why are we but not know then? I don't know why other people didn't hear about Comer or Durham report or the, the uh, talk was slap on the wrist with Hunter Biden or the impeachment inquiries from the Republicans. I reported on all of that. But I don't watch mainstream media, so I don't feed off the bread and circuses. I'm forever reading articles. So I talked about every single thing that popped off last week. I didn't touch the submarine, uh, the submersible, until like Thursday. So for everybody else to say it was a distraction, to me, I feel shameful to them people because you are not a multitasker. You really don't care because they didn't hide any of this. It's out there for everybody to know. But that's what people chose to get distracted on is the submarine. But I talked about all those subjects. We did on I'm my show. I don't care about anybody else's. How many people were thinking that I'm doing the Biden administration a favor? Uh, so I, that's how I was looking at it. A lot of them were doing Biden a favor by keeping this in the back burner. So we're not going to talk about And if you notice, China. not really. Because the White House press corps, believe it or not, are getting some cojones. It's just ain't Peter Ducey anymore. You have CBS, NBC, ABC actually picking up the story of the Hunter Biden laptop and also Joe Biden with the 10 to $30 million. Oh, it's being picked up slowly, but it's because they cannot hide it anymore. So just sit back. Be like, I told you so. I, I, we, told, we, the people, told you so. That's why that's my shirt and will forever be my calling card. It's because we, the people, have literally been telling y'all so. So we don't. We are the news. We don't depend on lamestream after that swamp media to tell us what to think, how to think, or what to pay attention to. The only people that the after that media actually controls is the people that uh, always want to throw out if it's a distraction or fake. For us, it's not a distraction. Yeah. It's not fake. It's just newsworthy, and it's another day. Yeah, well, it's people like you and I that broke Fast and Furious, uh, people like you and I that broke so many other stories. Uh, we were talking about uh, the parents in, in school board meetings getting kicked out long before the media picked up on it. There was a lot of things we were talking about 
I would say vast majority, we're always several steps ahead of mainstream media. And only because our voices are being heard, thankfully from listeners like ours, listeners like yours, um, the word is starting to spread and they're asking, where's your story on this? Why are we hearing it from this little tiny person with that podcast and not from you? And thank because God we, we have our voices still. We know what the meaning of the Patriot Act is. We know what the meaning of the NDAA Act is of 2012. And we know that lamestream media now has permission to push propaganda and lies on the citizens. So either we're going to be set above them, separate ourselves from them, be bold and honest in the truth, and, and let the rest of the chips fall where they may. They may not like what we say. They may not like how we say it, but they can't call us liars. No, they can't. They can't. But, Lucretia, I'm going to let you take over for about the next couple of minutes because I've got to call out and bring our next guest in. So, girl, you, you, you got it. You run with whatever you want to run with. I don't know what we're going to run with, but let's go ahead. And uh, we're gonna, <laughs> he said affirmative action was shot down by the Supreme Court. I will say thank you to the 6-3 ruling of that because I always thought it was unfair for you to look at someone's color of their skin and not the content or the merit of their character because there's been a lot of poor people that broke away from uh, where they came from to be outstanding citizens. So putting people in a caste system, we don't live in India and we're not China. So that's one of the things. When we're looking at the other, uh, paying off student loans, I feel like if you took out that loan, you signed that contract, then you should be able to pay for that student loan and not make it a political voting for them, the Democrats, to actually uh, get uh, votes. That's what I thought it was. I, um, you know, you can never leave or discharge student loans, so pay for them, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to tell people. And then also for the website designer, the lady that fought against the ABC Alphabet Swamp Mafia, and actually ruled in favor for uh, religious people, the First Amendment, and the five different things that it protects. All right, then, and that is off the top of my head. I hear we have a whole new guest on. Hello? Hello? Hey, how are you doing? What's your name? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. This is E.J. Antoni. Hey, and it's C.J. Antoni. How are you doing, C.J. Antoni? Do, doing well yourself? I'm just sitting here talking to myself with no <laughs> with no direction. She is on the phone, and she's bringing in the, the next uh, guest. And I guess that's you, C.J. What would you like to talk about? I forgot to unmute myself. I'm talking away, and I'm getting <laughs> unmute myself. EJ, this is my guest co-host, Lucretia Hughes, and she has her own podcast, Real News with Lucretia Hughes. So, you know, little tiny things like unmute yourself, Annie, does work, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) uh, EJ, I want to ask you uh, about something that just happened the last... No, EJ. That's why I said E, as in Edward. Uh, EJ, I was going to ask you, because you got an article up in... um, uh, Heritage Foundation about Biden and his economic falsehoods. Boy, has he been going? Oh, he, if anyone can make up stuff and make it sound like it's legit to lamestream media, this man can. And, and and they just eat it up. 
I mean, what is this with Bidenomics now, from the center out, from the top down? What, what's that all about? Well, I, I think what it's about is gaslighting the American people. What, what the Biden administration is doing right now is telling you, don't believe your lying eyes, don't believe your empty wallets, everything is fine, you are better off today than you were two years ago, but people, I think, are, are smart enough to look around and realize that none of that narrative makes sense and none of it's true. No. Um, if, if we were to give him Pinocchios, I mean, how many Pinocchios do you think uh, the Wall Street Journal would give him? Uh, all of them. Wouldn't he turn back <laughs> to wood by now? I'm sorry? He would turn back to wood. Forget about Pinocchio. He's not even alive. No magic <laughs> sprinkle dust. To me, Joe Biden, it sounds like 1980, and I'm sitting in the living room with my granddad, and he is literally throwing the biggest fish out of the ocean with the whopper of a lot he just told. <laughs> well, that he is. You know, he's telling us that you know we're earning more money. Uh, there's more people working than ever before, uh, but that's not exactly right. People are just starting to get back to work after the lockdown. Um, a, lo- a loaf of bread under Trump was only 99 cents. It's now $3.86. A gallon of gas, um, I was paying $1.65. The last time I filled up, it was $3.20. We're not better off, are we? No. No, no, not, not at all. And, and so often... Uh, when President Biden opens his mouth, he tells you a half-truth, which is, I, I think, what they're counting on to make their story believable. So when the president says that people are earning more today than they were two years ago, that part of the narrative is true. But the very important part, which they always leave out, is the fact that prices have risen much faster than wages. And so even though the average family, for instance, brings home $200 a week more today than when Biden took office, that larger paycheck buys $100 a week less. Yeah. Yes. Now, the deficit has risen, yet he says that we've increased the tax receipts 39% higher, but it's not, it's not covering what he's, he's increased, the deficit. I mean, as a matter of fact, he sent us backwards instead of forwards. Right. So, you know, once again, the president talks about cutting the deficit. All he did was he allowed uh, some of those emergency, one-time emergency COVID measures to simply expire, which they were going to do no matter who the president was. But the problem is he then turned around and replaced much of that spending with new spending. And so we continue to run massive deficits. In fact, the deficit in the current fiscal year uh, has almost doubled compared to the last. If you look at the first half of this fiscal year and compare that to the first half of the last fiscal year. So by no means is President Biden doing us any favors in, in reducing uh, government spending, government deficits, and government debt. Well, you know, he said I have he created millions. Uh, go ahead. I have go a, ahead, a question for you, E.J., he was sitting with the Indian prime minister, and it's not a gap anymore. He literally stated that I have sold a lot of state secrets. Do you think that was a gap, or do you think his pre-dementia forgetfulness is actually the truth is coming out? You know, I, I honestly haven't seen that clip, so I, I'm not familiar with it enough to, uh, 
you know, to give an opinion on it. What I do know is that very often Joe Biden uh, throughout his presidency has made various gaffes. And at the end of the day, uh, you can actually go back and look at him speak when he was a senator back uh, before Clarence Thomas was on the bench of the Supreme Court. And you can see Biden making similar gaffes and similar mistakes. So whether or not he has dementia, he may very well. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm, I'm an economic doctor. Uh, but what I do know is he has a long history of, of making these verbal mistakes. And so I'm not sure we should expect things to be any different from him in his old age. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I think the whole world is starting to see his dementia. But the problem is that our enemies are using that against our nation, and it makes us weaker, unfortunately. And hopefully we'll get this next election cycle to reverse that. Um, Janet Yellen, it's really it's like pulling teeth to get her to admit that we went into a recession. And in your article, you're talking about the Treasury Secretary. Um, are we back in, in a recession, and is she recognizing it? You know, it is very possible we're already in a recession right now. Unfortunately, it's going to be many months, you know, before we have enough data to, to actually be able to, you know, to make a decision there. But what's interesting is that last year, when we did enter a recession, remember the, in the first half of last year, the economy actually shrunk. It didn't grow. It contracted. And during that time, the White House was desperate to come up with a new definition of the word recession. It's very Orwellian. It's very scary when the administration does things like this. But that's exactly what they tried to do because they apparently care much more uh, about the optics than how people's lives are actually affected from their economic policy. And so Janet Yellen came up with this new definition of using something other than gross domestic product. In other words, what, what we're producing, she wanted to use a different measure called gross domestic output. And basically, the data that they initially had was later revised down. And so even by Janet Yellen's new definition of recession, we were in a recession at that time. So no amount of wordplay, uh, no amount of, of bait and switch with the statistics is ever going to be enough for this administration, I think. But at the same time, it's not going to save them because even by their own definition, it was still a recession. And very possibly, we're in one now. Now, what's the difference between output and product? Are they trying to make us see two different things, or are they actually the same thing? So when we talk about gross domestic product, that's basically the value of everything the nation is producing. Now, the other side of that coin is something called gross domestic income, which is essentially how much everyone is earning for all of their production. So theoretically, those two things are perfectly equivalent. And over time, you find that the numbers track uh, really perfectly with each other. The problem is that in the short run, because those things are measured differently and the data are gathered separately, you can have deviations, and that's perfectly normal. So another thing you can do is average the two. You average gross domestic product and gross domestic income, and that's where you get this measure called gross domestic output. Mm -hmm. You know, they play such lovely word and number games. Um, they're talking about, you talk about in your article about government spending, and it's good that government does do some spending, but when they overspend, how does it hurt the everyday guy? 
Well, the first thing that it does is, is you can't actually spend anything as the government until you take it from someone else first. And you can take that explicitly through taxes, but you can also take it implicitly through the hidden tax of inflation. And that's what the government has been doing under Joe Biden. If you're wondering where did the government get the trillions upon trillions of dollars in extra spending that this profligate Congress and White House have been are taking all of that out of your hide right now through the hidden tax of inflation. Now, additionally, the government can also turn around and borrow the money, but ultimately that has to be repaid. Whether it's repaid, again, through explicit or implicit taxes, the borrowing can't last forever. You know, Congress has multiple times had a chance to cut spending, and in the past they have managed to do it uh, amazingly. Uh, but recently, and I have to crack up because I was just was reading this just the other day. Uh, David Brinkley, back in '96, wrote a book, uh, a very wonderful book, and in it he makes a comment that government uh, cut uh, out spending X amount of millions or whatever it is dollars. It comes up to so much money uh, per taxpayer. But we never see that money. Say, for example, it's $62 a week that the taxpayer will end up you know, saving by this, this cut. But we never physically see the savings, do we? The government actually just turns around and takes that money that they saved and put it somewhere else. We don't get it back, do we, ever? Exactly. In a lot of ways, it's, it's like a ratchet effect. In other words, it only moves in one direction. And as soon as the government manages to save a dime somewhere, they end up spending a dollar somewhere else. And as you pointed out, that all is borne by the taxpayer. Now, with the way the government runs their budget and the way the agencies in those governments run their budget, they have up until the end of the fiscal year to spend what's in their budget. But if they have any reserves, what happens to reserve? Well, very often when, when it comes to these budgets with the government, it is use it or lose it. In other words, if you don't actually spend all of the appropriations, then much of that can be lost. Now, of course, some of it will roll over, but again, in some cases, it will just simply uh, the, the, you know, expire and the money goes back to the Treasury. And so agencies are always trying to spend every last dime they can because they have an incentive to do so. <laughs> when we talk about the budget, everyone's eyes kind of like glass over, but they don't understand how it actually does directly affect them. And I gave the example, a loaf of bread was 99 cents under Trump and $3.86 under Biden. So this does have a real impact on the everyday citizen. No, absolutely. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to economic policy. A lot of times uh, people's eyes just glaze over when we start talking about these things, but it's very, very important that people understand the issues and that they get involved with the, elect with the election process uh, and, and with influencing the politicians, because ultimately these policies are a way for the politicians to make your lives either much better off or much worse off, as we've seen the last couple of years. You know, another thing that makes people's eyes glaze over is talking about the Federal Reserve. 
and you had an article last week dealing with the Federal Reserve, and I was talking about them in my last show last Friday. Uh, the Federal Reserve now got involved in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, in their policies. But they're also spending, I think you wrote, it's $800 million a day to special interest to Wall Street. Why is our tax dollars going into Wall Street, and why is the Federal Reserve uh, manipulating them? Well, essentially, the, the whole reason for this manipulation is that the Federal Reserve is trying to create money for the government to spend without allowing the private sector to have access to that money. Because if, if the private sector gets access to that money, then people can borrow it, people can go out and spend it, and that ends up adding to inflation. So the government is trying to, or excuse me, the Federal Reserve is trying to square the circle of creating money for the government to spend, printing off monopoly money essentially, but not allowing it to have a large impact on inflation. And, and to, in order to do that, they basically have to pay banks, hedge funds, other institutions to keep this money locked away in the vault. What that's doing is it's adding up to literally $800 million a day in interest payments that the Federal Reserve is shelling out, all in the name of fighting inflation. So in other words, the politicians are getting paid, the special interests are getting paid, but the people are starving. Now, isn't this another version of quantitative easing? Well, what's interesting is that they're doing it to try to tighten the money supply, not ease. But the problem is that as they have to continuously scale this up further and further, the amount that they're paying in interest is growing almost exponentially. You know, it wasn't that long ago that they were paying only a few million dollars a day, which sounds like a lot, but when we're talking about an economy that's 20-something trillion dollars, it's really not. It's really a drop in the bucket. But now when we're talking about $800 million a day, we're closing in on a billion, now it is turning into its own form of quantitative easing because they are creating the money that they are paying out to these special interests. And it makes your head spin, Lucretia. It really does. And this is our federal budget. And we've got an administration in here that just doesn't know how to control it. You've got a House that's talking about cutting the budget. And we have a Senate we don't control and a White House that's run amongst. So, EJ, what do we as a private citizen do to help rein this in? Do we have any power at all or are we just helpless? No, we, we certainly have a lot of power. You know, I, I think it's really important for us to remember that as much as, as politicians may be loyal to certain ideas or to certain parties, they are first and, post, first and foremost loyal to themselves. And so as, as a result of that, if the people exert enough political influence on the politicians, no matter who they are, there is a very good chance that you can get the politicians to do what you want them to do. And so it's imperative that people are, are in contact with any of their representatives, whether it's the state or the federal level, and that they make their voices heard, not just on Election Day, but every day thereafter, that we don't want these policies of, of taxing, spending, borrowing, and printing trillions and trillions of dollars. You know, um, 
we had Mark Tapscott on just before, and he wrote an article about zombie federal programs. And there are some lawmakers actually trying to make a difference, like Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who wants to cut out something close to $510 billion in zombie programs. I mean, this is hopeful, but we have a major problem with our politicians. The moment they get elected, they're running for re-election. And best way to get re-elected is to bring money to their district or to line their own pockets with it. How do we stop that? Well, we stop that by telling them that we don't want all those goodies. But it's very, very difficult for people to do that. Most people do not have the political will to say, I don't want my share of of the federal trough. And because of that, everyone thinks that they're living at the expense of everyone else when it comes to these federal giveaways. But the truth is that every other person is living at the expense of everyone else, too. In other words, yes, it's true that your fellow Americans are paying for your handout, but you're helping to pay for everyone else's. Well, I, I, we're down to our last 10 minutes here. Lucretia, did you have a question? Go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, uh, let EJ do this, because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, you're giving me some ideas again for tonight's show, because I haven't done the show in two <laughs> nights, so today I'm going to try to do the show for at least an hour. And EJ, I'm going to, I'm, I'm biting off some of the stuff you're talking about. I mean, I'm going to politely steal your conscience of your mind, like China been doing for the United States. <laughs> Well, please, please, please do. The more, the more we can get the word out on all these issues, the better. Our goal is to help, to help people be more informed. Absolutely. Well, just before I let you go, we've been having a banking crisis. All right, it's mostly banks that get involved in this DEI and ESGs. Uh, but you had an article again last week about how we can reform banking regulations to reduce the cost of these bank runs. What were some of the things that you thought that we could do, uh, Congress could do, to help us save our banks? Well, one of the big things we can do is to make sure that if a bank says that your money is going to be available, then the bank has to keep it there. In other words, they can't turn around and lend out 90-something cents of every dollar that you put on deposit, which is what they currently do today. And as a result of that, if a lot of depositors are trying to get their money all at once, the bank doesn't actually have enough money to pay everyone. It it is literally what happened in the scene from the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where all of these depositors are going to the savings and loan to try to get their money, and they realize that the money's not there. Well, at one point we were on the gold standard or we had silverback dollars, uh, but we no longer have that. So now we've got fiat currency, and now we're moving into digital currency. How is that going to affect us if we want to take our money out all at once? We won't be able to do it, will we? Well, well, digital currencies are very, very scary, and and the reason for that is because it is something that the government can, can trace, can track, and can tax. And you may say, how is that different from today? You know, when you transfer money, the the government can't follow the same exact dollar from person to person to person, but that's what they can do with a digital currency because a digital currency, unlike today's dollars, every single cent has a unique fingerprint. 
And so the government has an incredible amount of oversight and surveillance associated with that, or an incredible amount of potential in those areas. And what that does is it gives really a, a level of control and a level of oversight that George Orwell could not have even dreamed of when writing 1984. It is not a road we want to go down. This is how you get a Chinese social credit score system here in the United States. Man, that is scary. You know, I, I went used my went to use my PayPal debit card because it gives me five percent back at the end of the month, and that's I like that. I like getting little money back on what I spent. But they denied my transaction because the name of the place I thought was because it had the name Gun in it. Uh, but they are now restricting transactions based upon what the business is that you're going to, aren't they? Uh, not, not that I'm aware of. If, if that's happening, that's news to me. Um, but again, going back to digital currencies, you know, it is incredibly easy for the government, in the case of a, a central bank digital currency, to be able to say your money is no good at this establishment, whatever that establishment may be. Maybe it's a gun store. Maybe it's a tobacco store. Who knows? Maybe it's a car dealership that's trying to sell you a traditional gasoline-powered vehicle. You know, it, it could very well happen that the government says you can only buy a, maybe $100 worth of gasoline in a month or every two months, whatever the case may be. And so if you want to go anywhere after you've hit your allotment of gasoline, you need to pay for an electric vehicle. And this may sound crazy, but these are literally the ideas that central bankers around the world are already advocating. This is not some kind of uh, uh, made-up straw man. You know, this is not, um, these are not even my words, really. Again, these are the, the words of central bankers and public policy planners from around the world. They are already advocating digital currencies because it will allow them to do exactly this type of thing. Well, I, when I was thinking about this, I was wondering, would this open up an underground black market or a second type of market uh, dealing with barter, the old-fashioned way of doing barter? I would give you my services for X amount of product or something to that effect. Do, would it cause an underground economy? Oh, most most certainly. Um, but, you know, then, it, it uh, again, going back to that, the idea of a Chinese-level surveillance it, you know, it is incredible how the Chinese government, with recording devices everywhere, uh, whether that's video or audio, you know, having access to everyone's cell phone data and, and your digital wallet, it's amazing the level of surveillance that they have and their ability to track and to trace and to find people who are engaging in that type of black market activity. And so, again, once you go down this road, it is very, very scary because of the level of control that the government has and the amount of influence that they have in the lives of every American citizen. And don't, don't make any mistake here. If you try engaging in that kind of, of black market activity, you will be punished for it. Mm, a very scary world we're entering. Well, EJ, it yeah. is always a pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you for jumping in last minute. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure, and we'll be speaking with you soon. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You do the same. All right. Check out EJ and Tony, a nice paisana, uh, 
at heritage.org. Lucretia, that's the end of our show. We've got less than four minutes left, and uh, man, it went like a flash, didn't it? Yes, it did, and it gave me a little bit more energy, so I think I'm going to get up, pull my hair back, and get ready for the show. <laughs> well, enjoy, and uh, God bless you. Thank you for stepping in last minute. Curtis, I hope we'll be back soon. Uh, we'll find out what's going on. Um, he had a bit of a family emergency, uh, so I'll be talking to him to see where we stand there. Um, otherwise, Lucretia, you're always welcome to come back and sit in with me. Thank you, thank you, and just let me know when you want me, and I'm here. All right, girl. I'll talk to you later, and feel better. Take care. All right. All right, check All right. out Lucretia News up on Facebook on Real News with Lucretia Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, Lucretia Hughes. Uh, check her out on Facebook. She'll be up there tonight. Uh, I want to say thank you, everyone, for joining us, and that's all we got for the day. And I'll leave you with the song from my friend Gary Pecorella, if I remember to unmute on my board, Save America. So I say until next week, good night, God bless, and we'll be back, same bat time, same bat station.
Because 